And we're live. Oh, cheers, sir. Cheers, brother. Yeah, why the world is on fire, we might as well get a little, little fucked up. I've been Just clean. I've been clean for seven days. Mm. No booze. No nothing? No nothing. You look good. Your face looks good. I know. It's, I can starting to see a direct difference when I quit drinking. Do you feel trapped by your image, by your party image? I would never have said yes until this week. I've exhaled for the first time in a very big way. Like where I was like, I was right. like, no road. I'm not. I'm not doing social media. I'm, I mean, I'm doing stories and stuff. But I'm not trying to put like. When things shut down, I kind of shut down with America, and I was like, yesterday, man, I sat in a hammock sober, for like fucking two hours and just relaxed. It is nice to be home for a while. It is nice. You realize what a beating our lifestyle takes on your body. The travel, and then if you're boozing too, the travel and the boozing together. So uh, we should tell everybody what we learned today. Um, I'm revising my thinking about this virus because of Michael Yo. Michael Yo caught it. Michael Yo is healthy as fuck. He's he's not he's not any high risk group. Like he's not he doesn't have any pre existing conditions. He's in shape, and uh, he got it. And he got pneumonia too. And he said it was a double combination. And he thought he was going to die. And he was in the hospital uh, for over a week. And four days ago, he said he thought he was going to die. That's fucking terrifying because Michael Yo is healthy. He's not some 80-year-old man. Yeah. Um, I talked to my friend, uh, Dr. Peter Tia. Uh, he's a physician. And he uh, gave That's me That's the guy some... that swam from Mau Maui. Yes. He sw swam all the islands. He's a fucking straight-up savage. So his take, I, uh, this is my question to him. I said, this is crazy shit. Uh, what is your take on how so many people experience very few symptoms, but others get wrecked? And he said, I still think most people below 55 sail through it. I've had two patients get it. Uh, shitty cold and loss of a sense of smell and taste, which probably returns soon. But still, a small fraction of these folks get hurt. I know a doc taking care of a 28-year-old fitness instructor on a ventilator in New York City today. Why? He said maybe some genetic predisposition. We know blood types matters. Uh, a is the worst. O is the best based on antibodies. Bam. He said, uh, I th I'm O positive. He Me said, too. but I, I don't think that explains more than some of it. Maybe shit like vaping, he said. Still too soon to tell. Uh, he is a straight up, no nonsense, no bullshit guy. And uh, I listen to everything he says. So um, when guys like him are concerned, I get concerned, and he's concerned. He's this, this is a weird disease. Another thing that he said, it's weird that it seems that people who spend more time with this get it worse. He's like, it's not like you know, like like doctors in hospitals with prolonged exposure get it really bad. Uh, nurses in hospitals with prolonged exposure seem to get it really bad, whereas some people get it and they don't get it bad. It's weird. It's a very, very strange disease, according to doctors. And I think we're still trying to figure this out. You know, it's just, whew, wow. It's, it's one of those things where everyone's just sort of absorbing the information as it comes in. And you got to be open to adjusting your opinions. And my opinions were um, I really was concerned with old people and I was concerned with sick people. Now, after Michael Yo, I'm like, okay, this is not that straightforward. There, there might be some, uh, some other crazy factors here. Like for some people, yeah, like Idris Elba, who looks fantastic, you know, fine. But maybe other people are gonna have a real hard time with it, like Michael Yo. Like Michael Yo is not a sickly guy. He's a big, robust guy. 
That's a spooky one. Yeah. I mean, you, your podcast with uh, the... Osterholm? Chicken, li- Chicken Little. That scared the fuck out of Chicken me. Chicken Little? <laughs> Fucking sitting in the back of my tour bus. And I hear this. I'm like, oh, I've had a few cocktails. I hit a joint. Let's go to bed. Oh, cool. Who's this guy? Oh, the coronavirus. I wouldn't mind hearing a little bit about that. Ooh. Holy... First thing I did, I told Jamie, first thing I did, I sat up in bed and I was Googled that motherfucker. I was like, he wrote a book, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Fuck that guy. That guy I, was, I, was, I was so freaked out in that fucking podcast. What's crazy about Osterholm is he predicted this shit um, literally specifically as to where it was going to come from. He, he was very book. insightful. I didn't mean yeah. fuck that guy in a bad way. No, he was no, a very no, insightful dude. No, he was and it was a great podcast. But man, it's, I'll tell you right now, Joe, you said... You said, uh, so guys that are overweight, that drink a lot, that smoke. I was talking to you. You know that, right? By the way, I I thought you were. (laughs) I was. I I was. I was like, Bert, I'm talking to you. I didn't want to say it, but I was like piecing together out of all my good friends. Who's my one friend who takes care of himself the worst? It's you. It's me. It's you. I quit. Cigars, weed. Beautiful. Booze. I'm having a drink now, but that's You're still okay, man. Like, if you stopped this bus now- and got healthy and just drank water, only water for a month. You know, you could pull this shit together. I'm you're, pulling it. You're a health, it, relatively speaking, compared to the fucking savagery you do to your physique, to your body, <laughs> to to your form, to your to your, your being by just downing booze constantly. Ugh. You're great. Like most people would be really fucked up if they were in your position. That's we were all um, we were uh, marveling when you ran that marathon. Like this motherfucker. <laughs> Party so hard, and he just ran a marathon. Like it's crazy. You're a very like I hate to use the same word again, but it's the right word. Robust. You're a robust guy, and the reason why you're able to endure all this booze is because you're robust. But if you didn't do the booze, man, you'd probably be a stud. Because whatever the fuck is keeping you going with all this booze, imagine what kind of, I mean, you, you're like pouring sugar water into a fucking 68 charger, you know, <laughs> <laughs> clean that bitch up, clean that bitch up, replace the heads, that, that Hemi will purr, you know, like you, you, you must be, you, you have to have great genes. There's no other way. I mean, how old are you now? 47. Yeah, you're 47. And relatively speaking, compared to the fucking savagery you do. Boozing, I boozed with you. It's 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 a rough go, <laughs> you know. It's like smoking weed with Joey Diaz or uh, with Be Real from Cypress Hill. Just stop. You're not in their league, you know. You don't <laughs> you don't roll with Hicks and Gracie and expect to tap them. You I didn't, know. You don't smoke weed with Be Real. I didn't. Uh, I didn't see. I never. I never see that. And then I took Norman on to Europe with me, Mark Norman. Mm-hmm. And Mark Norman's a boozer. Yeah. And man, two days in, and he tapped out. Ah! We got him addicted to Ambien. <laughs> 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 he was he is the funniest fucking human him. being. I really love him. He's a real comic, man. I cherish guys like him. Him, Andrew Schultz. I texted I mean, with Schultz young guys this morning. Coming up, these young guys coming up are everything to me. Chris Stefano coming up too. Do you have you do you know Chris okay. Stefano? I do not know him well. Man, I know of him. He's he very makes funny. Me giggle He's hard very as funny. fuck. Very funny guy. There's a good crop. A good crop of real comics who uh, honor this thing that we do. It's this weird thing we do. You know, it's like what we're doing is a very strange game of saying funny, silly shit and then trying to make each other laugh. And then, but understanding what we're doing, don't say, oh, you really mean that. Or, oh, you know, you can't joke about this. Like, none of those guys will do that because we know the game. 
The game is to be funny. That's that's just the game. Be funny. And you, sometimes you say ridiculous shit to be funny. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it falls apart. Sometimes it blows up in your face. And sometimes it knocks it out of the park. And so you got to take those risks. And you throw in every now and then. It's the people that are in this thing that understand what we're doing and appreciate that. Those are the most fun people to hang out with because you never have to think about them getting upset at you for saying something or them taking you literally or seriously or them not even taking you seriously but calling you on it, pretend that they're taking you seriously uh. so that they can virtue signal, which I've seen before, but I've never seen from anybody funny. No. It's never from anybody funny. It's always from these kind of half-assed, sort of half-cooked versions of a comic. Yeah, you know? it's never been. I was telling you know I I got into a conversation with Ari about whether what the parameters of a joke were after the whole Kobe Bryant shit. Yeah, and uh, and he said something that made me like fucking stutter step. He was like he was like, it you can't say it's not a joke. He kept arguing. You can't say it's not a joke. You can't say it's not a joke. It was a joke, Bert. It was a joke. And I was just saying to him, you know, Tom and I had said that it, we didn't think it was funny. We didn't think it was a joke. And then I and then I wrapped my head around. I remember one time Isla had a dance on fifth grade, and they did it on stage, right? And uh, and they were saying, you know, just so you know, the, we're, the parents are going to be the audience. Boys may dance with boys. Girls may dance with girls. We just want all the parents to know that we're cool with that and make sure everyone's cool with that. You know, like a little preamble. And I said, yeah, as long as they're white. <laughs> and, and and man, some parents got so upset, like really, really upset. They don't have any sense of humor. And they go, Are "You being serious?" I go, "Guys, I'm joking. Obviously, I I'm want a her professional comedian. No, I, go, I don't want her them? dancing with girls. I want her dancing with boys." <laughs> and they and and that's what I, did not, they start laughing at that? Then, at least? No, 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 no. That kind of more mad. That kind of more mad. <laughs> It's fucking half of this special is just times I fucking said the worst things to people. Parents are weird, man, because some of them are super cool, you know. And if you get lucky, like, um, I know a really gr a really nice group of super cool parents of like my kids' friends, and it's a pleasure because yeah. when we get together, it's fun. Like, I enjoy their company. Our kids enjoy each other's company, and we have great times together. It's so f I feel so fortunate. For the friends that I've acquired this way, you can find cool people that aren't comics. They do exist. Oh yeah, you know you can get lucky. But the problem is people that take themselves too seriously, or people that are under the iron fist of like office politics and office behavior and business behavior. Those people get they get consumed because they're there every day. And when you're there, you got to bullshit every day. You're wearing a tie. You got slippery bottoms to your shoes. The whole thing's nonsense, right? You, yeah. you and and you you have to speak and behave a certain way and you can't make jokes about anything. And sometimes you're working with girls and you're working with guys and everybody's flirting with each other and there's all this crazy office politics because people are trying to move up the ladder and why they're trying to move up the ladder they have to make sure they don't say anything that's going to sabotage their career just trying to be funny or just you know getting a little out of hand at the company christmas party and <laughs> yeah. get a couple cocktails in you and ruining your career like these people are always on the edge they're always suppressed so when they're around someone who's not, who just cuts loose, they're like, no, no, you stay in line, no, <laughs> no jokes. But they, but looking at you, though, they could have thought you were serious. Oh. That's this... where it's dangerous, because they might not be able to switch gears well. Like sometimes people, if they knew you were going to joke around about something, they'd be fine. But then you say something like that, and you're like, oh my God, is he serious? I have to stand up and denounce racism now. Yeah. Yeah. There's, those, man, that's the craziest part about... I have especially I've gone through I'm my daughter oldest daughter is in ninth, tenth grade my youngest is in eighth and those formative like K through five 
those that that's the fun run of being a parent and mm. fuck because you meet a lot of parents that you don't know yeah and you say shit and you find out shit. I remember one time we were at drop off and we found out we got an email about some what you call it and the mom sent it from her work account and it was a fucking porn star and L- we were like O-L. and we're in drop off me and a couple dads look watching her fuck being like <laughs> take a look at this <sighs> that's rough yeah try, that's one thing it's tough to switch gears from was a guy or a girl if you're a porn star oh, and yeah. you want to go legit. It's a tough. It's a tough road. It's a t- man. For whatever reason, it's weird. It's like if you accidentally did porn, but when you clearly like Kim Kardashian, it hasn't hurt her at all. Not at she all. She essentially did porn, and everybody's like, "Yeah, but there was no studio attached. It was really independent." So it's- <laughs> <laughs> she's like, she's like the clerks of porn. <laughs> yeah, and then this idea that that somehow or another magically got online. Like, what happened? How did it get there? Like, there's a negotiation process. Like, but when you see uh, like an old mainstream porn star that's been in like a, a tons of movies, that very rarely do they make a jump and then just do regular movies. Like Tracy Lords is a bit of an example of a, an exception. Yeah, but she, she did some stuff. She did a John Waters movie. Yeah, she did some stuff. Kim Kardashian's porn wasn't even that good. How dare you? It wasn't. You didn't see her tits, really. You never saw her pussy. Mm. Like, it just was like her sucking his dick. That's good enough. I don't think you should ask for too much more. It's I one. Don't... She did one movie. <laughs> she did one. Yeah, you, know, you got to learn Paris Hilton's angles. was better. It's like her first set, you know? You, like, you realize, like, you got out of the gate too strong. You didn't have a good closer. <laughs> she's, she's not, like, you know, she's not a world-class professional. I watched Paris Hilton's porn. I was like, I would fuck her with the herpes. Wow. Allegedly. Allegedly. Wow. Just catch her on a good day, right? Yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> That's what this, that's what this, when you saw fucking Florida, all those kids going, fuck oh it, my this is my spring break. Yeah. Those are people that would raw dog it with herpes and not tell you about yeah. it. <laughs> this is about me. This I'm is my this, vacation. I'm in this other group chat and these, uh, these comics are like, these kids are so stupid. How could they be so irresponsible? This and that. And I just type in all caps. They want to fuck. <laughs> like that's what's going on. They don't care. They want to fuck. And they're drunk in Mexico. Like, get out of here. You know, <laughs> they want to fuck or they're in Florida on spring break. I would have been they, me. They're in Cancun or they're in, you know, there's uh, people in uh, Texas. There was this thing about uh, these Texas kids and they were, they were piled onto this, uh, this area together. It's like this, I don't know, it looked like some outdoor party area, but they were just stacked in there like sardines and people were like, holy fuck. Like, yeah, yeah, you, you didn't. You didn't raise your kids right. <laughs> and even if you did, even if you did, if you they're hanging around with other kids that are fuck-ups, they're going to fuck up. Oh, yeah. We all did that. I, I was involved in a lot of really stupid shit because I was around some kids that were sketchy when I was a kid. You know, like yeah. especially when I lived in Jamaica Plain. Jamaica Plain was like this, uh, this area that we only lived there for about maybe less than two years. It was like a year and a half. And it was like an urban section of uh, Boston that's since been gentrified apparently apparently it's nice now but back then it was sketchy it was like all kinds of like everyone Irish kids Italian kids black kids Puerto Rican kids but no one was getting good parenting everyone's parents smoked people were <laughs> drunk like the, the, like they were chaos people they, they were like it was weird they were wild people like the whole block was filled with wild people they weren't bad people it wasn't like a, a crime-infested, dangerous neighborhood, but it was sketchy, and everyone was a mess. Yeah. Everyone on my block. My next-door neighbor, we've talked about this before, they were a punk rock band called Death in the Shopping Mall, 
and uh, they used to play downstairs in the basement. And so uh, they had these thick layers of carpet set up in the basement. So they had carpet all over the door, carpet all over the ceiling, many, 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 many layers. And these guys would fucking go off in there, playing guitar and fucking screaming. And I was, I guess I was 11? No, 13? Yeah, I was 13 years old because it, uh, it was middle school right before I went to high school. So I was 13 years old. And uh, I was like fascinated because I was just becoming a teenager yeah. and I th living next door to these fucking savages, these savages. They just were playing crazy fucking loud music. And, and you didn't see punk rock people a lot back then. No. I remember when there was a kid at the bus stop on Dale Mabry and he had a punk rock haircut and every morning guard driving to school had, well, look at him. I'd be like, he has a mohawk. His mom let him have a mohawk. Well, I went, I went from San Francisco to Gainesville, Florida, which was a college town. You went to Gainesville? Yeah, I was in Gainesville, Florida when I was 11 to 13. You and River Phoenix. And uh, Ted Bundy. <laughs> that guy, too. Don't get me started <laughs> on Ted Bundy. <laughs> but uh, so we lived there for a little bit, and that was like just kind of college people and in the apartments we lived in, just regular folks. It was um, nothing crazy. You didn't really see too much craziness as far as crime or uh, sketchy folks. Everyone was pretty normal, different races, different backgrounds, but, you know, just people, apartment life, you know? Yeah. But then when we moved to Boston, man, those kids were wild. They'd break into fucking warehouse buildings, <laughs> and they were in this, they, everyone knew how to steal a car. They were like 13. They, they were all smoking. Everyone was smoking. Like, I immediately went into this crazy environment of, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I was like my dog Marshall in like a room yeah. full of like rabid German shepherds. I was like, hey, guys, <laughs> can we talk this out? Um, I'm from an apartment complex. I'm not used to like semi-urban kids. <laughs> That's an interesting transition as a young Ooh. child. It was rough, man. It was rough. When I was 10, I moved to a neighborhood where, um, where it was very aggressive. Oh, very, when you were 10? Same, same sort of situation? Yeah. We, we, lived in, we lived in a real white trash neighborhood, but my dad kind of sheltered me a little bit. Oh, and, no. th and then I moved in with like, and there was all boys, like they were all like a uh, little older than me. And I remember I learned the word faggot real quick. It's <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I learned that and how to hold an ice cube uh, in my asshole. And so <laughs> two really important things to have in but your I remember coming resume. home and, and being like to my sister, hey, faggot, go get my, my dad. Oh like, my what God. The fuck? That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can certainly get ruined by bad kids. And no one knows that more than dads. Like, dads see you hanging around with sketchy kids. Like, hey, I don't like you hanging around with that fucking guy. Like, dads see where that stuff goes. Because sketchy boys commit murder. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. sketchy boys join gangs. Sketchy boys rob cars and kill people drunk driving and set fires to warehouses. That's what sketchy boys do. Sketchy boys can get you locked up. Like, we did a lot of sketchy shit when I was 13 years old. And I remember thinking, like, wow, these guys have been doing this their whole life, and they're 13. Yeah. Meanwhile, I just sort of stumbled in. I just want to be someone's friend. You know, I'm like, fuck, this, that's when I took up fishing. I really got into fishing, <laughs> for real. <laughs> I got awesome. I got to get the fuck away from these kids. I didn't, have your, crazy. I didn't have your brain. I kind of just picked up with them every time. Man, I did not feel protected when I was young. And it's one of the reasons why I value community today. When I was young, I felt like really disconnected. My parents split up. And then my mom moved in with my stepdad. And he's a great guy and everything like that. And we, but we moved around a lot. And so I was never around kids that I knew for any long period of time. And I never felt like I was safe. 
because uh, I remember like, kids would always start fights. Like boys, if you move in a new neighborhood, boys always want to start fights, especially if girls think you're cute. If girls think you're cute, boys want to <laughs> fuck you up. I mean, and then when I was uh, 13, I was like, I just got to get the fuck away from these kids. And I found this lake that was uh, near me. I really got into fishing. <clears throat> it was called uh, Jamaica Pond. In Jamaica Plate, and they would stock it with trout, and there was bass in there, and all kinds of fish, man. You could fish there all the time. And I met this whole community of people who fished there, mostly like older folks that would fish there. And uh, But you'd learn about fishing. And so I fished like all the time, man, all the time. That's, you know, that speaks a lot to who you are, because that's not who I am. Like you when, just dove in. When bass, I remember I remember being like totally anti pot, and then my buddy came and was like, You want to get high? And I was like, Okay, I'm in. <laughs> And we got high on a on Sal's dock. Well, I had friends like that too. There was a, fr- a friend named Vic Dabrowski. I'll never forget. He was the most criminal out of all of our friends, <laughs> and he was selling weed when we were thirteen. <laughs> Dude was selling weed at thirteen. Like you just call him. He had the weed, and he was just like a dude that like had seen some shit. Like even thirteen, he wasn't mean or anything like that. He was a nice guy. Be like, he just come over like, "What's up, man? Everything cool?" You guys cool? Yeah. Like, he, he seen some <laughs> I wish shit. I had that fucking confidence. <sighs> I've never been no. that guy that's been cool at a party. Like, you're better off. You're better off. That guy just doesn't, he's just not as aware. There's, no one should be confident. You're, you're a, a jelly bag made out of, of fucking human skin covering these brittle bones, and there's no roof over your head. You're, you're in, on a planet. And there's no there's no roof to the planet, so it's just exposed to the universe, and it's a shooting gallery of asteroids out there. And the only thing that protects us is the thin layer of gas above our heads. You shouldn't be confident. You should you should you should, you should be exactly how you are. You should be exactly how you are. You just need better methods of coping than alcohol. But the way you are is a good way to be. It's not that confident thing is not good. Yeah. It's it's good if you have specific goals, like if you want to be a fighter. You kind of have to be confident. But then, like, do you know who Rashad Evans is? Of course. Yeah, former light heavyweight champion, awesome guy. He's a totally different human now. It's crazy. I had him on my podcast, and now that he's retired, like, when he was a fighter, like, you have to kind of be mean. You have to kind of be a specific kind of person. He used to bark like a dog. He was a beach dude. Well, I think you're thinking of Rampage, you racist. No, wait. Oh, I know Shot Evans. I know. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking of Rampage. You're right. You're right. You're definitely right. I'm so sorry. Listen, I'm racist. I'm so sorry, guys. They just had a great fight. That's why. Those two are connected because they were both coaches of the Ultimate Fighter in the peak of its popularity. And it was one of the most heated exchanges ever is them standing like an inch away from each other saying, call me a bitch. And Rashad was like, you a bitch. I remember that. And they were going back and forth to each other. I'm like, oh, my God, these guys are going to throw down on TV. It was very, very tense. And Rashad won that fight, but I'm like, he, you kind of have to be confident to be that guy back then. You know, yeah. To be a light heavyweight champion, to be a guy who knocks out Chuck Liddell with one punch, you have to be that. But once you're not doing that anymore, <laughs> look at Rashad. <laughs> now Rashad's like this real spiritual guy. He's a vegan. He, he does psychedelics, and he's really intelligent. Like re, re, it was a pleasure to sit down and talk to him because you realize you see the metamorphosis the, the evolution and maturity as a man. He's like a different person now. He's abandoned his old his own skin, his old skin, I should say, and become a new person, like a very different new person, like a really peaceful, really friendly, really nice guy. He was always a great guy, but he's like more at ease now. I think know? that's what, when you said, when you were talking about me uh, backed into a persona of boozing and whatnot, yeah. I don't know if it's is that as much, but like I, I had a conversation with Ali, Wong, she said, uh, you tour a lot. And I said, yeah. 
I was in my head. I'm. Just, I, it's this weird thing about like I gotta, I gotta work. Like yeah. that was, when the special came out, that was so un, un, unearthing to not do any press, to do no press. I woke up St. Patty's Day. Do you know I had that huge St. Patty's Day thing planned at yeah. the store? Yeah. Calling sick to work show. I had all this press, like all these marketing ideas, and then it, it just was like, hey, the world's stopping. And it took a couple days of like depression of just like going like, man. What am I going to do about this special? I got to promote it. I got to get out there. And then I think it was perspective where I was walking to the garage one night and I was just, you know, angst. I go, I should make a video to let everyone know my specials on Netflix. I, you know, in my head. And then I went, hold on, man. There's a lot going on in this world. And my special being watched is not the most important thing. Also, I don't think you have to do much. I mean, I think having a few conversations like this, people yeah. are looking for shit to do right yeah. now. Yeah. They're throttling down the internet. That's what they're really worried about. They're worried about the infrastructure. They're they're really worried about the power grid. They're really worried about internet. Like they're already starting to throttle internet because so many people are simultaneously streaming. You got to think of how many people are home right now, and how many people when you leave them home just watch Netflix. This <laughs> fucking dude, me staggering. Me. We dude. watched. I watched the special with my girl, my daughters last night. Just imagine. <laughs> oh, no, no. They saw your bits? They saw, I, I Did kinda, they not know the bits before? They didn't know any <gasps> of them. I don't want to say anything, but the one about her having her period? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. How she, rough was that? She was like, uh, poor girl blew out her pussy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dad, dad, dad. What the, dad? <laughs> the, the one they reacted to, yeah, they they had a, me put my dick on Leanne's shoulder. There was a lot of them that they were uh, they were touch and go, but we we just watched it like quickly flip through it and then um and then watch Big Cats, Big Cats or Cat King, Tiger King. Tiger King? King. What is that? Holy fuck, Joe! What is it? This is talk about faux confidence. It's a it's on Netflix and it might be the most amazing show I've ever seen. It's about people who own big cats like oh, tigers God. and. But the whole thing is oh, about Jesus. about petting cubs, cub petting. You got to pet them when they're real young, and then they stay cool with you? Well, no, 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 no. So these guys make a living off cub petting. So they bring the cubs around every once a cub, oh, and right. then what happens is the cubs grow up, and then they end up with big fucking cats. Right. And it is, I won't talk to you about it. I'll let you watch it and enjoy it with someone who's, like, once you've seen it, there's no reason for me to tell you about it. Here's it's the fucking thing, amazing. man. Even if you treat your cat really, really well, you got him in a cage. That cat does not want to be in a fucking cage. No shit. They don't want to be in a cage. We got a code red. Someone ripped off Brenda's arm. It is. Someone ripped off someone's arm? Joe, you got to watch it. Bro. You, it is. It's 187 cats on this uh, Oklahoma property. Oh, my God. 150 acres or something like that. Maybe oh, my God. Lot. Dude, it is. Oh, my God. I, I'm, I'm going to save it Plus for tips. when you watch it. And Somebody then you can... ripped someone's arm off? Okay. Uh-huh. That's what she happens. went back to work seven days later. Oh my god! With Savage, no arm, with no fucking arm. So she now she has a stump. A little stump. Oh my god! That's Still working so with big crazy. cats. Crazy, that is so crazy. Can you imagine if they just started eating part of you and you're like, oh, I still got in a leg. I get this part of my foot. The one guy found the job off Craigslist. He's like, I never seen anything like this. <laughs> Fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> it's so fucking crazy. If you had a job like that, people are gonna sign up. 
Like, no matter what it is. Oh, if yeah. If you had a job to go out and castrate wolves, there's going to be guys that are like, I think I can do it. <laughs> no oh, oh by the way, we haven't even gotten to the fucking cra- This is That's not even the crazy part. When you get into these guys' lifestyles, this guy married one. First of all, he's gay. doesn't look gay. Married one dude, and then they brought in another dude. They have a thruple. That's not the crazy one. The crazy one's the guy that lives in South Carolina that's got fucking nine wives who he grooms. Joe, this is one, like, really? look, everyone, my special, hey, big boys on Netflix, but <laughs> fucking watch this show first. Wow, that's strong praise. It is. Tiger me, King. I'm writing me, that down. I'm putting it on my phone. Me and the girls, uh, me and the girls watched Hey, Big Boy, and we fucking, it was funny, we giggled, we talked through whatever, like, the, at the end credits, I put, like, all the stuff that's from, I put Isla's period party cake, I put the, um, I put, in the credits, I put, like, her test, my dad howling like an owl, and, uh. And then Big Cats comes on. Big King? What's it called? Tiger King. Tiger King. Is that it? And yeah. within 15 seconds, George and I are like, all right, everyone's up. We're, we found our show. It's that and good. It's fucking good. God, it's good. There's something about people and giant, crazy animals, people that want to keep those animals as pets. Like there's, uh, there's this Russian dude, I think, who has a polar bear, and he swims with the polar bear. <laughs> Have you ever seen it? No, no, He's no. He's in a no. swimming pool with a polar bear. He's like hanging out with the thing and cuddling with it. And I was like, what in the fuck are you doing, but, man? But you don't identify with that a little bit? Because I do. I definitely do. As a, do- a dude with big dogs. But I think it's cool, you know, to watch because it's not killing him. You know, it's like, look at it. It's hugging him. It's kissing him. <laughs> Until it decides like, not to. Well, I think if you ke- bears, I think, are a different animal. Because if you keep bears really well fed, they don't, they're, they're not just predators. They're omnivores, right? So if you keep bears really well fed, they're probably pretty chill. And I wonder if bears are like people. Like, I think if you feed people only vegetables, I really believe this, they probably get less aggressive. Because I think your body probably doesn't think you need to be chasing things and killing things because you're not eating animal protein. So your body's like, oh, we can just relax and stroll and just pick berries and eat grasses and stuff. You know, and I think if you did the same thing to a bear, maybe if you just gave the bear like apple pies and oh, look at that bear get out of a stuff. pool. Yeah, bro, he's so big. I would love. I mean, like, here's the problem: is I would love one. Yeah, I don't think you're allowed to have one for a real good reason. Because there's a lot of people that shouldn't have fucking dogs, man. You've seen bad dogs, and people have bad dogs. Uh, there's a lot of people that shouldn't have dogs, especially yeah. in L.A. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people that like don't they don't train their dogs well, and their dogs are like really aggressive, and they they jump up on people. And, you know, imagine if it was a bear that did that. <clears throat> Just the responsibility. Look at the length of its neck. It's so crazy. They have such long necks. But the just. What it is, it's, it's, you know, the, the animal that it is, it seems ridiculous. You should be able to have that in your backyard. Like, that's a yeah. polar bear. That's, like, I don't know where that guy lives. Where is that? Does it say? Oh, it's got to be Ohio. <laughs> Oklahoma. One of those cities. Ohio Do you remember seems the one like... guy who uh, shot himself and let all the animals out? Yeah, they talk about that on the fucking thing. Oh, yeah. That's part of the reason that it's illegal to have uh, fucking big cats in Ohio. Because <laughs> of that guy, I yeah. live in Ohio and raised. I would, I like those Savannah cats kind uh Anthony Cumia has? Oh. He has, maybe he has yeah. bangles. Yeah, servals. Yeah, is I that, like those. Isn't that what they're called? Serval cats? Serval yeah. Those are uh, apparently never really tame. They're never really tame. Are dogs, though? Well, there's. I think maybe it was John Jones. I think John Jones has a couple of them, but he was feeding them 
like uh, it was either John Jones or someone else who had him. Who, I know John has some big cats. I, I bet he if, does. Yeah, he's a wild man. I want to party he's, with that guy. No, you don't. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> you think you do? <laughs> yeah, I'll party, bro. You don't want a piece. Of, John Jones goes to the Darklands. There, that's okay, a, that's there my new is. TV There's show. Is, can you out party me? I just go party with John Jones, <laughs> bro, John Daly. You, you'd, you'd have one episode. You, you'd call me up and like, I quit. I quit my show. I called Netflix. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Um, but yeah, so he was feeding it chicken bones. Um, I'm not sure if it was John or someone else, but it's crazy because the cat starts making these crazy noises, like like while he's like giving it whoever the guy was, it was giving him the chicken bones. While he's giving this cat these bones, the cat is getting really angry, like re like scary, like he might just j jump on you and bite you, like primal shit. Yeah, they're not a regular cat, dude. Like if you give a regular cat a chicken bone, they'll be pumped, but they're not gonna go. Yeah. Crazy cat noises this thing was making. I was like, "What?" See if you could find servo cat uh, growling while eating. Oh, there's a one on that's like viral on TikTok that oh, someone okay. posts all the time. They feed it every day, and it's. <sighs> I've seen I've seen our cat catch rats. Oh wow! It's usually, I mean, I put it on Instagram a bunch, but it'll catch rats, bring them into the house, and then let the rat go, which is exactly what I want this cat for. And you to watch it hunt a rat. Is fucking fascinating. It is. It's built in. Bro, it's like you can't get that out of that cat's brain ever. No, built in. It's I, built into the system. Yeah, that's that comes no matter what the cat's life is like. If you, you could have a little bait, I had a ragdoll cat, and she was this fluffy little ball of fur, just just flopped her back and get pet all the time, and she was. That's all she was interested in until she saw a bird. And then it was locked in. Oh. Locked in. And she'd make these noises. Noises, with her mouth. yeah. I have a, a bit about it in my act. Oh, wait. I think I saw you yeah, tell yeah, that yeah, bit. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, my yeah. last special. I had the whole bit about vegan cats because yeah. some lady was mean to me. And I went to her page and I looked up hashtag vegan cat. I was like, holy fuck, this is a thing. <laughs> and then I started going down this rabbit hole of, of people with animals and cats in particular and how... Cats are the, they are the strangest animal that we keep as pets. And I have two of them. I love cats. They're sweet. My, my oldest daughter has them now. <clears throat> my uh, middle daughter is uh, allergic. But when I'm around them, I love them. I love them. But you got to do weird shit with them. First of all, you got to castrate the males. You got to fix them all. Like my dog Marshall, he's not fixed. He's fine. There's nothing wrong with him. He's not going to get laid. He's around me all the time. Yeah. And it, it does fuck with their energy. And it's irresponsible to have dogs with testicles and just have them have a bunch of babies, unwanted babies. You're right. Absolutely. But the idea that that's the only way it has to be, that he's, uh, the dog has to either be fixed or you are, you're irresponsible and the dog's going to fuck a lot and make babies. No. You can be a responsible dog owner and the dog is not fixed and the dog has more energy. Like if police dogs, none of them are fixed. It's for reasons. Because when they, they're fixed, they stop producing testosterone. There's a lot of problems with, we, we got our dog uh, Priscilla uh, fixed mm -hmm. at a young age, a bull mastiff, and we found out later that when you get a dog fixed, a bull mastiff fixed too young, heads up to any bull mastiff owners, it can fuck with their joints. Yeah, they because they their body's not done growing. Physical maturity. Yeah, they have to reach physical maturity. Yeah, your your body needs the, the hormones that it was born with. I mean, this is the whole idea behind uh, you know like being a young, healthy dog. And then if you trim the dog's balls, you're changing what the dog is and. You can do that. My point was you can do that with dogs or you cannot do that with dogs. Like you can have dogs that have their testicles. But with cats, you have to do it. If you have a male cat, they're oh. all fixed or they will piss 
all over your fucking house. Dude, it's nasty. I had a male cat that was a feral cat that I raised, and I had to corral him in the bathroom in order to uh, trap him and bring him to the veterinarium to fix him. And while I was corralling him, he pissed on the wall. He lifted up his tail and pissed all over the wall. I was like, dude, what the fuck? And I, had, I threw a, a towel or a bathrobe or something over him, and I scooped him up, and I fought with this cat, fought with him, and stuffed him into a laundry basket and took him to get fixed. You have to get him fixed, man. Fighting a cat is fucking when you sh it shows you just how weak you are. He's so little, too. He wasn't a big cat. And at the time, he wasn't even a year old, you know, because I was getting him fixed. So I think you get him fixed like seven, eight, nine months, something like that. But she was ready to fuck me up, man. It was Dude. hard. I, so I had to corral him, get him into this fucking uh, laundry basket, bring him to Dr. Craig, <laughs> who was my veterinarian in Encino before he passed. Rest in peace. He was a great guy. And then um, when I was... Um, uh, bringing him to him. I'm like, he's in there. Are you guys going to be able to get him out? You want me to stay? And they're like, no, I think we, we're going to be able to handle it. And then afterwards, uh, I uh, came by to pick up the cat. He was like, what the fuck? I go, yeah, dude. It's a feral cat. You'll only say yes to getting uh, some kid one time. was like, hey, can you help me get a cat, my cat out of the tree? And I was like, yeah, sure. One time. And then you fight a cat in a tree and you're oh, like, fuck yeah. this. You can't do that. Cats in a tree, man. First of all, without a ladder, you might fall. Yeah. You know, and even with a ladder, you might fall. They might jump on you and bite you, and you might freak out and spaz. Like a cat is freaked out for its life up in a tree and it doesn't know how to get down. You know, they might, they might fucking, they might cut you. <laughs> Dude, and they once they hook onto you, they hook onto you, and they yeah. just start fucking trying to gut you. Yeah, my cat that was feral. He was a he was a trip. I would never have a feral cat again. But I had a, like a crazy connection with him because he was. Um, you know, he was a, a, like a legit wild cat. Like when I first got him, I had to lock myself in a bedroom and uh, hang out with him for a few days. Just just read books and had a litter box and brought food in there. So just me and him hanging out together because he was really little. Yeah. But when I would pet him, he would be fine. He would purr like really loud. He would be fine. But as soon as I put him down, he'd hiss at me and run away and trying to climb up the, 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 the uh, curtains. He went crazy. So I had a spare bedroom in this house I was living in in Encino, and I just set the bedroom up. I set it up for just me and the cat. I'm like, all right, dude, we're going to get to know each other. These are the kind of shit you, things you do when you're 27. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't have a girlfriend. You're like, I'm just going to fucking live with this cat for a while. Just me and this cat are going to hang out. So I just read books for two days, locked in this uh, bedroom with this fucking wild cat. And he would calm down for a little bit, let me purr, let me pet him, and then he would purr, and I'd let him go, and he'd hiss at me and run away. This went on for two fucking days. And then finally, by the end of two days, he was pretty chill. By the end of two days, like, this guy just seems to pet me and give me food, you know? <laughs> so I could always come up to him and pet him. I could always, but no one else could. No one. None of my friends. No one could come over and pet that cat. Just me. I was the only one he had an agreement with. He was super cool with other cats. Like, when I brought other cats in... Um, I, like I kept, I stayed with him for two days. Then I introduced him to my other cat, Spaz. Spaz was the fluff dog cat. And then they got along instantly. Like really? they were like, yeah, he was like, oh, cats, I can trust cats. And she's like, I don't know any other cats. And they just fucking <laughs> hung out together. I never met another cat. It was fucking great. <laughs> it was know? like uh, transplants and automobiles. One shot candy. <laughs> I had this other cat that I had from the time when I was like 25. And that cat was a cunt. And she, <laughs> she, she didn't like anybody but me. She just was a cunty cat. Always was a cunty cat. She uh, she was just a weird cat. Some cats are just weird, man. You know? And then my other cat, the fluffball cat, she fucking loved everybody. Everybody that came over, she'd rub on your leg, and you'd pet her, and she'd purr. Everybody loved her. You could scoop her up and just start rubbing her belly, and she would purr. Uh -huh. like anybody. Anybody could pick her up. But uh, 
cats that they are their own little thing. Every one of them's got their own little personality. Like Joey Diaz, you talked to him about his cats. Oh. At one point in time, I don't know how many he has now, but he had eleven cats. <laughs> <laughs> In like a two-bedroom apartment, and I was like, "That is so insane!" And they all had personalities, man. They all, some of them, like he—he he was the only one that could touch, and other ones, you know, they were real friendly with everybody. Cats are—they're uh, a trip, but you have to fix them. That was my point. Is a dogs—you can have a dog that has balls, and they're great. Like my dog Marshall, he's great. Like he's not aggressive at all, and he's three. He's—he seems like a fucking cool dog. He's the sweetest. He's the sweetest, but. You can't do that with cats. You have to fix all of them. Ugh. They'll piss all over your house. If you like, have you ever seen a, a male cat that hasn't been fixed that lives like on a farm? <laughs> Bro, they don't even look the same. They have these big heads. They have big pit bull heads. Really? Yes. Yes. Alley cats that are that are not fixed or barnyard cats. They're famous for being like vicious, vicious animals. They're different. They look different. They have their balls. They're thick. They have really? muscles. Yeah, they they have thick heads. I guess I've only seen female cats and kittens. When yeah. I think about it, like my wife, my wife lived on a her grandmother has a barn, like a big farm, and there's always cats there. But I I think I've only seen the females and the kittens. Yeah, you you're probably seeing females, kittens, and fixed males. You, yeah. you see castrated males. They they they're different. They don't pee everywhere, and they're more chill. Dude, if you see a fucking barnyard cat. With with his balls, like those are sketchy animals. I'm not, I don't think I have. I remember the, back in the day when you'd be like, "Ah, oh, cat sprayed in my car." Like that was that doesn't happen anymore. But back in Florida, you just leave your windows down. Cat sprayed in my car one time, and I was like, "Fuck, dude, it smells like shit." What they spray everywhere? They spray in your house. I would like I would open up my gym bag. My cat had pissed in my gym bag. Oh, we had dogs that pissed <laughs> all over shit. <laughs> I remember one time I was in the car with my my girlfriend in college, and uh, we had a dog Thelma that pissed all over everything. I was with my little sisters in the back, and this girl leans forward, and there's like a brown stain on her back. I go, hey, what's on the back of your shirt? And she goes, oh, I must have spilled uh, soda on my shirt. And my little sister's 10 at the time. She goes, you drink soda over your shoulder? She was like, huh? And my little sister goes, I think our dog pissed on your shirt. <laughs> and the girl's like, no, no, that's not. And Connie's like, no, no, I'm pretty sure it smelled it. And you're like, yeah, she pissed on her fucking shirt. Wow. Dogs will piss in your bed if they're mad at you. Cats will piss on your bed if they're mad at you. Yeah. They'll piss on uh, like they'll piss on your pillow. <laughs> oh fuck that! I've never been a I was never a cat person. I was always a dog person. Dog and, and reptiles. I was into reptiles for a long time. Yeah, I, I, I'm fascinated by animals. I love animals, but for companions, it's it's hard to beat a dog. So if you could go through with all the dogs you ever owned, right? Yeah. Reboot one genetically and get that exact same dog back today. Can't do Marshall because Marshall's already here. I had a uh, mastiff named Johnny Cash. I he met Johnny a, Cash. Yeah, he's the sweetest it's dog ever. The first ever. time I met you. He's the sweetest dog ever. I loved him. He's a sweetheart. He just, it was a real sad watching him age because uh, at the end, uh, he couldn't walk. And I used to have to pick him up and bring him in the house to eat. <clears throat> and then I would carry him outside again to see if he had to go to the bathroom. But he was, uh, at a certain point in his life, he, he had really could only lie down. How old do. did he get? 13, which is very, very, very old, old for a Mastiff. It was very old for a Mastiff. But it was really sad seeing him seeing him uh, slip away. It was rough, you know? Yeah. It's uh, it's there. It's such a short amount of time. It really is. 13 years. Priscilla's nine right now. And, uh, I mean, it feels like yesterday that we got her. We got a new puppy to kind of keep her young. 
Yeah. This puppy's a cunt. Oh, really? Just oh, no. Just so much energy. <laughs> I was going down on the Leanne the other day, and the puppy just jumps on the bed. Are we fucking Whoa, this bitch? Wow. Just starts licking her face. I'm How like, God rude. damn it. Fucking what a rude dog. Doesn't understand its place. Don't, you can't work out in front of this dog. He's like, oh, we're doing jumping jacks, huh? Oh, really? Yeah. I had a joke. Well, it's a baby. I had a joke right? that in the old set that he'll probably be retired now that we're, oh, we're not doing stand-up for eight weeks. <laughs> At least eight weeks, man. When, I mean, how you long is that? it going to be? It's probably going to be several months before. June? Uh, easily. Could be longer. It could be, you know, maybe they find medication that even though there's not a vaccine, there's some hope for a few different kinds of medication. One of them is a malaria drug. I, don't, I, I can't pronounce the name off the top of my head. And there's another one that shows promise as well. And they think that it might be possible that people could catch this then you would give them the medication it would wipe it out um there's also there was some speculation about tamiflu but i don't think there's any conclusive evidence that shows that tamiflu helps it but there is some these anti-malarial medications i think that they think has promise but what concerns me is that it seems to be so different with different people that's what's weird about this yeah. it makes it it's like what's scary right now for everybody is the unknown like, we're in the unknown. Like, now we've never been in this situation before as a culture. We're, we're on lockdown, and the whole world is scared of a disease. Not, not in our lifetimes. I mean, not since, like, the Spanish flu. And back then, there wasn't as much transportation. There wasn't as much uh, distribution of information. So people probably weren't as aware as we are now, you know, of all the various cases all around them all the time. Because, you know, we're hearing about cases in Italy and... Uh, fucking Australia, everywhere. We're hearing about cases all over the planet. I don't think that was the case back during the Spanish flu days. I think it was probably harder to understand what was happening, right? Because it, it was, you probably only got the newspaper and the radio back then, and everybody oh, yeah. had to huddle around at a certain time, and those are the masters of information. Whatever they said, that was it. But now you get all sorts of conflicting information, even from doctors, man. I've read doctors that think it's nothing. And then I've read doctors that were terrified. It's like, whoa, this is nuts. And then, you know, you look at, I don't know if you've been paying attention to what these senators did. But there's uh, some senators, they had a behind closed doors meeting about the coronavirus in China and what it could mean to the United States and, you know, the various impacts. And they went out and sold their stock immediately, dude. And then, they, but, but at the same time, they were talking about how under control the government had it, and how we're prepared, and how it's going to be fine. And meanwhile, they knew. They knew. So they had two faces. They had a public face that they were given to us to try to keep us calm, and then they had a private face, which realized that the stock market was going to take a huge loss, and so they sold everything and made immense profits based on the information that they found out from these closed door meetings about the coronavirus. How are they supposed how to How is that how, legal? How are they supposed to handle though out of like legally what are they supposed to do? Cuz that well, makes I, confusing. It, it, I don't know what constitutes insider trading. How does that work? Do you understand how that works? Like if you have information not. that can allow you to make money. Well, isn't that like what everyone's trying to do? Like if like what is the point of playing the stock market if you don't know things and if you do know things if you know more because you know the guy who's the president and he tells you something about something they're gonna do and you're not supposed to trade then because yeah. of that information like all right okay I you know, I'm sure there's a logic to it I'm a moron don't run it by me but if that's in, insider trading well what is it what the senators do if they knew that the coronavirus was gonna wreck our economy if they knew that it was coming down like a fucking storm of hail that no one could stop if they knew and then they bailed out and made immense profits 
that seems so shady. That yeah. seems so shady that they didn't advise people. Like, you're supposed to be a leader, right? If you're in a position, an elected representative, you're supposed to be acting in the position of a leader. And if your way to lead is tell people one thing but act in a completely different direction, tell people everything's going to be fine, but then start selling your stock at a profit, and you don't tell other people to do it because you're worried that maybe that information is going to cause some ripple effect and it's going to destroy the economy even before the coronavirus hits just out of panic and fear and people are going to act wrong. But you acted in a different way than the way you were talking. You acted like this shit was going to be real. You acted like this is going to be a real problem. And then the question is, like, how much of a problem did they think it was going to be? Maybe they dumped their stock. They thought it was going to be a little problem. Would that be okay? Well, but if they found out it was going to be a huge problem, then it's not. Well, that seems weird to me, too. Like, I don't know what should the rules be with information in the stock market. The stock market is gross. Like, it's yeah. gro the whole thing's gross. Like, what are we basing our economy on? This fucking madness? This isn't, it's, not, it's not the way that the 2000, 2009 breakdown was. 2008, when the stock market yeah. crashed, it was based on literal numbers and, and investments. This, this is, is real. based. No, no, I would actually say that one was more real than this one. This is a, the stock market's crashed in a way that you're going like, it's based on, I, I mean, I, I know that it's, it's for commercial businesses, their loans are going to come up and it's going to be tough for them. But at some point you're like, I wish you could just put it on freeze and go, hey, let's come back in like two months and let's start where we were. Let's make sure everyone was fed. Like that's, but it, Bert, this is the the ultimate real, because if if it's supposed to be about confidence and things rising and falling, this is like the ultimate expression of that. There's no confidence. You can't work. Yeah, of course right. it's you're gonna right. crash. Yeah, you're right. If it doesn't crash here, then it's nonsense. Yeah. Then what's the point? Because there's times where everything's groovy, and people are buying like crazy. <clears throat> Manufacturing is up. Everything's up. Everybody's happy. Consumer satisfaction's up. And people are buying like crazy, and there's so many industries that are happening, and there's so many jobs, and unemployment's the lowest rate it's ever been, ever, in the history of people. And then all of a sudden, it's not anymore? Well, of course it's going to crash. So it's going to crash. This is the crash. This is the big one. This is the big one of our lifetime, maybe the biggest one ever, because this shit could go on for a long-ass time. This is scary, too, because <clears throat> you think of all those people, just like who are paycheck to paycheck, you know, with waiting tables or teaching a spin class or whatever it is, I, that's where my yeah. brain goes. Is like, how come there's got to be a way to fucking help people? Mm, yeah, there does. I mean, that's, I, I, that's all I do all day is spend, like, the other day I hit at McDonald's. I was like, say there's a way to buy a bunch of Happy Meals I could send to a neighborhood. You could do that with certain restaurants. You could support restaurants. One of my favorite restaurants in Vegas, uh, Gaetano's, is uh, in Henderson. And uh, they used to be in Calabasas. We used to go to them way back in the day. Uh, but they're they're doing a lot of takeout, and then they're also raising money for their employers, which is very nice. Yeah, you know, and I think the store is doing something like that. We're all going to donate for the wait staff, you know, because the wait staff is completely shit out of luck, and they were doing you know good business down there, and so those folks, I'm sure they have bills, like serious fucking bills, and it's just piling up, and there's no business, you know. I mean, they went from having this great place where you can go and you can count on X amount of money per week to all of a sudden gone and no one saw it coming. That's never happened, ever. No. You can't blame them for not being prepared, but you know, they're part of our comedy family, man. We gotta we gotta take care of them, particularly at the store. We should set up something for the improv too. And uh, we should also, you know, just figure out a way to uh, 
you know, to like find out who's hurting, like who's in trouble, like, especially in our community, like comics that we know. Too that, people are too proud. But I know we, we'd have to find them though, because there's a lot of comics in our community that like they're going check to check too, you know, middles, middle acts, yeah. you know, that headliners. Yeah, there's a lot of headliners, right? Particularly first few year headliners with you only making you know X amount of, per week, and you know you got to f- pay your own flight and all that jazz. You're getting by, but you're not killing it. And then you you probably have a fucking apartment that costs two grand a month or yeah. more. You know, I mean New York City, those guys, the fucking apartments in New York City are ridiculous. They're so expensive. So think of all those comics in New York City that relied on that system of going club to club and picking up a little. For people who don't know, a lot of comedians in New York, there's like, New York's probably the most condensed uh, comedy club community in the country. Wouldn't you agree? By far. Yeah. Like, how many clubs do you think are in the city? I'd say 12. Yeah. Good, yeah Total, like, tw- like legit. all clubs. Yeah. Are you counting Dangerfields? <laughs> I was. <laughs> Never got to perform there. I've always wanted it's to great. perform there. It's I never fucking, got to. Joey did it. Joey was uh, in <laughs> New York. Joey was in New York. That was my spot when I lived in New York, man. It's amazing how like a comic can think in another comic's level. Because as soon as you said that, my two clubs, I thought of Stand Up New York and Dangerfields. I'm counting those. <laughs> yeah, he got to count those. But Dangerfields is the, the weirdest one because uh, that was the one where they filmed those HBO specials with Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. And... It was always empty. It was always empty. <laughs> there was never anybody there, man, except prom season. Prom season, you'd be doing stand-up to like 17-year-old kids, and it was madness. It was madness. Do you ever hear story, Bill Burr's story about getting heckled at Dangerous Fields? No. It's my favorite. I made Bill tell this a number of times, and I made him tell it on our podcast. My favorite podcast story. You remember Bill when he was younger, right? He was mm-hmm. a little more cleaner, a little more like yeah. chippier. Hey guys, huh? Huh? Yeah. What's up with those infomercials? I got the pan. <laughs> dang, 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 dang. So Bill's doing his his high energy happy act, and it's to a prom crowd, like prom crowd, and a bunch of fucking bridge and tunnel posse, and it's not getting anything. And the guy, and this guy in the back goes, "Anything red on stage is a faggot." <laughs> Oh, and Bill goes, Lord. I didn't have one pull out. I just went, fuck. God, man. Yeah, that one you got to be prepared for. But yeah, the, I I think about I think about it. I'm, I I the number one thing this whole thing has done is made me think how much I waste shit. I waste so much shit. Just yeah. food, mm-hmm. fruit. Yeah, like fruit. Bananas are going bad. Just throw them out. No, no, mm-hmm. no. I've been eating them. Yeah, like it's it's waste and health, man. When I heard you tell that podcast and i'm so glad to know that you were talking to me because i heard it as if you were talking to me <laughs> i told brian callen i go you ever do a podcast and you think joe's talking to you and he goes all the fucking time i'm never talking to you brian callen never <laughs> he if said, i'm talking to brian callen i'll call him up he said no he said he goes one time joe even said my name <laughs> <laughs> so the one thing that oh, made me hilarious. feel vulnerable was, uh, was, and you've been saying this, and I've always like kind of written you off about it, going like, well, you know, whatever. You got to get off that blood pressure medicine. Yeah. The second I heard China's got all our medication, I got one month of blood. I, I literally thought, man, what am I doing on blood? What am I doing on blood pressure medicine? Why don't I just get in shape and get healthy and get in control of my weight so I'm not dependent on a pill yeah. to come in, and then if I don't have it, I have a stroke. You can do it too, Bert. It's not outside of the realm of possibility when you consider how well you're doing while you're boozing as hard as you are. Yeah, you I think- probably And you always like fire up for Sober October. The first year I was worried. I was like, man, I don't know how he's going to do. And some people were actually telling me, like, hey, man, he could die. 
They're like oh. uh, when guys drink a lot and then they stop drinking, it's really bad. And apparently that's what killed Amy Winehouse. They everyone kept telling me that that's what killed Amy Winehouse. You know, did you know that, bro? Oh, it's one fuck. thing when you host a podcast and you you have a fucking thousand of them. People want to tell you shit that you haven't heard before. So yeah. one of the things that I people love to tell you is about you could die if you stop drinking. You can die. You told me that, and yeah. you you said to me <laughs> when we were leaving, you were like, you gave me a hug, and you go, you don't have to do this, man. And I yeah. went, what the f I was like, I was flipped out. But I was worried because I was like, damn it! Imagine if this is how we kill Bert. Imagine if, like trying to get Bert healthy, like it turns out to kill him. Amy Winehouse style. Dude, I love Amy Winehouse. Oh, she was to this amazing. Day, I will throw on an album and, and listen to like Rehab or some of her great songs. So she had a authenticity. There's like an authenticity to her voice. This unmistakable like looseness to her voice. She was wild. Her and Bjork. I used to love Bjork. Yeah, Bjork is great too, man. Dude, in, she in was. In a totally different way. Like I had to like pause. Like it's a totally different kind of sound, but yeah, but authentic. Yeah. 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 And so sexy, man. Like Bjork was so hot and Ooh. just doing her own thing, like electronic music in this time when it wasn't selling here, but it was like you ever hear you ever hear that song uh um It's Oh So Quiet by Bjork? No. It's oh so quiet. It's amazing. Did you ever see Bjork fuck up that photographer yes, for the yes, airport? Yes. She got my respect there. <laughs> This person thought they could just get right in her face with a camera just because she's famous. Like, with no permits. This is not agreed no. upon. You just show up where a person's just at the airport. With her stay. kid. Bjork was with her kid. Yeah. People, How do you deal with that? I just, I, most of the time, like, if someone wants to be interviewing me when I'm at the airport or somewhere where I'm not, you know, I, I'm not expecting it. It's just not smart. It's not, that's not, I do this, all right? The way you have conversations should be, your your, your thoughts that are going to get viewed by millions of people shouldn't be something that you say when you have your first cup of coffee and maybe you're half on an edible coming off the flight and you're picking up your <laughs> luggage and you didn't expect to run into TMZ. And they're like, what do you think about the coronavirus? And they're like, stop eating bats, you fucks. And like, you, don't, you don't mean that. You don't mean that. That's not what you, but you're, you know, you're there at fucking LAX at 7.30 in the morning getting your bags. Yeah. If that's that's the problem. It's it's just it's not smart. And then there was a weird thing that happened during the Roseanne times. And Roseanne uh was going to do the podcast for the first time, uh, for the second time rather. Um and uh she had that that crazy controversy and they removed her from her show mm -hmm. and the whole deal. Dude, they were showing up at places where we weren't with with cameras they were showing up at the comedy store with cameras trying to capture like as if like oh you got me on camera i got to talk to you i guess uh yeah like th what the news is if you watch like local news it's a bunch of people pointing cameras at stuff and then loosely applying journalistic ethics to see like what they talk <laughs> about and what they don't and what they feed you over the next half hour and they want to be number one in the ratings because you know like Channel Seven's right now is kicking our ass and I just really feel like we got to get on the scene quicker <laughs> and it's, it becomes a sport. You're you're you, this is not necessarily the information. There's personalities and jobs are at risk and there's so many factors that are contributing and like in moving what you listen to and see in a certain direction. It's not the news. It's a news program. It's their interpretation of what they think is the most important stuff to focus on over the next X amount of minutes. 
because life is too fucking nuts. Yeah. We have access to the whole world. You can, you're going to break the whole world down in 60 minutes? It's an editing show, right? Because yeah. you can't show everything. There's millions of things that are fascinating that are going on right now, positive and negative. So they have balance it out, you know? What are they going to do? A Calabasas woman found out the hard way. You can't. And they show a puppy peeing on her. Oh, that was great. That was great. Now let's get back to murder and death and, and fucking thievery. I said to someone, I said, do you think that this coronavirus coverage is based on the news, like saying we're taking back the news? And someone was like, no, man, they've been getting their asses them, handed to them for so long by Trump that mm. this is where they're making their money back. And then you wonder, like, like, I like Chris Cuomo. I like him. I actually like him. I like. I watch him. Did and you I get go, upset when he got mad at that guy about the Fredo thing? I got upset for him. I go, wish I was there. I go, dude, 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 don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. It's not like the N word. Don't say that. Don't say that. I understand this guy's a dick, and you're letting him know he can't be a dick to you. But let's relax. It was relaxed. It was such. It's provoked though, and he was trying to get out of it. Like he got, you know, it's like it's like doing jujitsu and you make a terrible mistake, and all of a sudden you're trapped in someone's triangle. You just gotta tap out. You gotta <laughs> tap out, and you gotta f live to fight another day. You got caught. Don't get your neck fucked up. Yeah. You know, don't, don't let this guy hurt you. And when he was trying to like save ego, when the guy called him Fredo. That first of all, the guy that called him Fred is a cunt because <laughs> because that's such a shit move to do. Like well, just just as a passerby, they did it to yeah, fucking. They did no it to need. George Lopez at a Hooters one time. Like like some the guy. George Lopez. Who did it to George Lopez? Someone did it to George. I think it was George Lopez. Said something like uh, build a wall or something, and George and they videotape it. They want. They want to go viral. That's what they want. So uh, they call right. from Fredo, right. and they're videotaping it, right. and right. they're looking for reactions so they can get views. That's a cunt move. Yeah. But Fredo made me giggle. It's funny. such a funny it's such a fucking silly thing to say. But to say that that's like the N word to African Americans, dude. Nobody owned Fredo. Stop. It was Relax. so. He almost that's made so it silly. more enjoyable. I was watching it did that. Make it more enjoyable. It was so ridiculous. It's, if you watch Godfather Two, you wouldn't be able to think of anything but Chris Cuomo. When you're watching that scene, you would oh, think of him. I think of. <laughs> I I, you, I call him Fredo when he comes on the TV. I go, oh, yeah, no, I love Fredo. No, I love him though. No. I love him. Like his, I, I say it like with a with a with a A, Freda. And his brother <laughs> is the governor of New York. They look strikingly alike. Well, they look like brothers because they are. <laughs> I saw him on TV today. I'm, a, I'm very impressed with how his brother is responding to this though. With the the I uh, you know I understand that there was a, a certain point in time where he wasn't sure whether or not they could really shut down New York. But, you know, now the way he's responding to it, just the way he carries himself, he's very, uh, he's very, like, he's a no-nonsense person, like, the way he carries himself. Yeah. You know, I like, and I don't know if, I don't know anything about his politics. I don't know anything about what he does. But you can sort of at least gather from the way someone handles a crisis, like, how they, how they carry themselves. You gather whether or not you can trust them if shit gets crazy. And he seems to carry himself very well. It's like that's very important for just the morale of the nation in a weird way. That's why a leader is very important, because when someone's a, a real leader and even though there's going to be people that hate them, and people that are pissed at everything they do. And that's always going to be the case if you're the leader of the free world. Right. But if they can somehow or another shift the way we feel about ourselves, 
shift the way we feel about our community. Like give you a, there's like pep speeches and a really good presidential address. A really good one just gets into that feel-good spot and brings everybody together. And it really has a tangible effect on reality. It can really affect reality. And that's, that's what people don't understand about why people get upset about people not being able to talk well. It's a big fucking deal. Yeah. You know, like people are like, why are you joking on Joe Biden? Because it's a big deal. He's in the, the biggest fucking sweepstakes on earth. Who gets to control all the thermonuclear weapons and the entire economy and everything that gets done inside the United States of America? One guy, ready, go. Like, what? You got to be able to talk really well if yeah. you want that job. Because part of the job is inspiring people. It's one of the things Obama did better than any of them. You know, like you could say what you want about Clinton. He had some good speeches, too. I think Obama was even better because he was just measured and intelligent and articulate and strong. There was something about the way he was talking that was confidence-inspiring. Whether or not he was right or not, whether or not he made bad decisions, I don't think anybody can do that fucking job. I don't. I think no. it's a death sentence. I think it is for all of them. I think, I think they get in there and there's a tornado of, fuck, of things that they have to control, things uh. they have to pay attention to, things they're responsible for, hundreds of different fucking pieces in motion all over the world. All these pieces in motion, all these pieces. And you're supposed to be the one guy that makes the right decisions on all of those and chooses the right people for both pandemics and the economy. How about just one? Do you even understand one? Yeah. And, and, and then international relations on top of that? <laughs> Holy fuck. And then you got to go to North Korea. Now we're in China. It's too, China. Many, it's too many things to juggle. Bro, it's madness. That's why Reagan, you know, I wonder madness. I wonder if it's where we're going back is to a Reagan like a Did you see Matthew McConaughey's speech? No, I did not. Oh. Is it good? Yeah. Well, it's it's Matthew McConaughey, right? right? Like we all we all bought into him in the mid 90s. Like mm -hmm. this is our 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 dream hunk. He's he's one of our dream hunks for sure. God, man, he just sits there and he's just with that Texas drawl about red lights and green lights. There's a yellow light. Right now we're going. Okay, and it just mm. I get out. I got I get like I got sat up in bed and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go fucking work out, man. Like that's this isn't we can do this. Well, I think for the people like you and I who you're gonna be okay financially, it's not as scary. It's a different thing. But for the people where financially it's gonna affect them greatly, there has to be like real big decisions made to help those people because this is not it's not a situation of people not wanting to work. It's a situation of people not being able to work because of an invisible enemy. That kills your loved ones. Jesus. Like if there's ever a time where the United States has to come together, this is the time. And I think uh, I think we're capable of doing that. And I think if we do the right thing and we come out on the other side, I think we're going to be stronger. I think we're going to be stronger in not in the not d dismissing the losses and the the people that are going to badly miss loved ones. I'm not I'm not even trying to diminish that. I'm just trying to say for the people that that will survive we're going to understand what it's like to go through a real adversity together for the first time in a long time as a planet not just as the united states not as germany not as japan not as iraq no the whole thing together because it's everywhere and the whole thing together is a giant problem for everybody that survives and for everybody that survives, no matter how bad it gets or how good it gets or whether it morphs and changes or whether it doesn't, the people that survive, we have to learn from this. We got to learn. We got to learn in every way. And we got to learn how 
and I'm learning, I'm learning right now, my own personal self, like how I'm shifting how I view the world. Like that everything has to go back to me being able to do shows whenever I want and do stand up whenever I want and travel wherever I want to go and not worry about killer. Everything has to go back to that because that's what I'm used to. Yeah. Well, no, like just, you know, history, you know how the world works. There's countless examples of civilizations that no longer exist. And they got wiped out by plague or natural disasters. We are well aware of this, but yet none of it ever registers. And we never think it applies to us. We never think that this is it. This is the one. This is the one we got to really pay attention. No. Fucking, you see them kicking all the people off the beach? <laughs> you see the Malibu, it's in Santa Monica. They're like, we're closing the beach, you fucks. This is a vacation. <laughs> people are down there just suntanning and hanging out. Oh, my girls wanted to go for a hike yesterday, and I went, think all the morons that are out hiking. The thing is that this required us to act fast, and I think the human race is giant, and it's so huge, the number's so spectacular. To get all of us to coordinate together, I think it's like an impossibly long battleship. Think of a battleship that's like 100 times bigger than a regular battleship. Just a battleship. You think, how, how fast that thing turn? <laughs> it's got it's to be so slow. I never thought about that. <laughs> it's fucking huge. Right? It's not like one of them speed boats where you can just... You know? It's, if you're on a battleship, that motherfucker's hard to turn. And I think the human race is like... It's an impossible to imagine battleship. It's like a battleship 100,000 times bigger than any other battleship. It's so big, it takes up like one-tenth of the ocean. That's how big this battle is. And when that motherfucker yeah. has to turn, it's like... <laughs> it can barely turn. That's us. And I think this thing required us to turn. We ran into like an iceberg. There's a giant thing ahead of us. Something hit us. This change... In, in a virus that jumped to human beings and we have no immunity for it. And that's what it's like. It's like like we, our battleship does not turn quick enough for this and we didn't have the proper preparation for something like this. Because we didn't see it, even though we knew it was possible, we didn't see it happening to us. We made some preparations, but I don't know. Did we ever figure out whether or not the government actually did stop this uh, pandemic office and close down this pandemic office. Is that true? No. Remember we were trying to look at that the other day? Yeah. Digging through that was not fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> something was changed. I don't know about closing the thing. It's an interpretation sort of discussion that like, I don't know. Huh. I was, I was trying to dig through like PolitiFact and all sorts of websites that like we got, it took too long to find that were a good answer that was worth sharing. So like I don't I am going with like I don't know. What did you think though when you were, what did you think when you read it? Like what were they specifically saying? Definitely there's different people in place and what I had what, one of the things I read along the path was that there was like a meeting about possible pandemics with a with a team of people in an office. Those people are no longer there though. Mm. There might be people that have replaced them because of how many people have changed over in the administration. So the people that are in those places now weren't at the meeting, so they don't they never got those like notes, basically. Yeah, I don't know if that, but I don't know if that's what happened. But that's the same stuff that happened in nine eleven. They're like these; these were all warned. Like it, it's it's interesting to see hind, hindsight really in action, where you're like, I have this this comedian, this very hilarious comedian who doesn't do comedy anymore, a woman named Andy Smith. In fucking early February, she sent me a text 
that I figured she had postpartum depression. I was like, oh, she's lost her mind. That's too bad. She was really funny. She had a kid. Her, must be going through a divorce. And it was, hey, I've been translating these Chinese documents. This flu is going to get a lot worse than anyone thinks. We need to stay home. You need to start spreading the word. You have a podcast. Like, I mean. Whoa. So you thought. Isn't I that thought funny? she was fucking crazy. How long crazy. ago was that? How, how many weeks ago was I'll that? I'll pull it up right now. Um, she just texted me last night. Um, she This was February 15th. She wrote, hey, uh, I don't have glasses. Hey, it's me again. I've been Googling translating the shit out of this virus situation for weeks. And stop traveling. Tell everyone to stop right now. I know, I know. I come off. I I can't fucking read. I don't have glasses. Here, look at these Here. bad boys. Here, yeah. Try see how blind I am. Oh wow, we're the same. <laughs> <laughs> but come the fuck off. Are we really gonna stay until they wait until they tell us to tell us to stay off the streets? That's where we are today. Mm. That will be too late, right? Honestly, everyone should just call in sick Tuesday. What are they gonna do? Suit up, fellas. Come on over and see if I'm lying. It's genius, really. It's probably the most American y protest thing ever. Just lazy paid refusal. And probably our last chance to legally shift power back to the people who forcibly be dragging us back in SUVs. Maybe you're already say in a safe hillside bunker. I hope so. Sorry for the downer rant. I'm sending this to all the smart people I know, four of you. Because all my dumb whore friends have no grasp on strategy or intuition. Fuck. Stay home. Learn to knit. Learn how to knit a face mask. I wish we could all stay home and jump the gun. Save ourselves. And then I wrote on fucking the day my special dropped. No, on fucking March. A month later, I wrote, oh, shit. You were right. And then she texted me a bunch of medications to get. And I bought them all. Dude, and, and by the way, not not to discount her, she was a fucking tits hilarious comedian. Why'd you stop doing stand-up? She had a baby. She got, uh, well, she got in a major beef with like Schumer and Nikki Glazer, like legit fucking. This chick was a wow, little, she was a, she was rough, man. She was wow. rough. But, uh, Cat fight? Hardcore. Wow. Oh, I'm last comic standing. Wow. Called Adam Hunter a cunt. Like, <laughs> just she fucking did? burn it to the ground. Why did she call Adam Hunter a cunt? Because she just, that's who she is. She's a fucking, man. He's a nice guy. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. Him and her got onto it on screen. Oh, no. Yeah, but she's, she's wild. She's wild, man. She stole Jim Jeffrey's sunglasses. Like, fucking, <laughs> real fucking wild chick. But she <clears throat> sent that to me, a, like, that much. A month ago. And yeah. I just was like, oh, postpartum, she's crazy. Poor well, girl. They, they're saying the senators, these closed-door meetings that they had, this closed-door meeting, that was in January. There's a guy named uh, Respectable Lawyer that I follow on Twitter. He's the one who uh, sent it to me. And uh, he had a series of uh, tweets about it, documenting it, laying it out. And you, you read it and you go, oh, my God. <sighs> it's like, did they really know or it's – Again, it goes back to that thing. Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, are you allowed to just start talking about that this is coming? Like, if you're a senator and you find out about something, like, what are, what are your responsibilities? Did they give you a mandate on what you're allowed to talk about or not allowed to talk about? Like, if they sit you down and have some crazy meeting where they tell you the sky is falling, what are you allowed to say? Do they tell you when you're allowed to say it? Like, how does that work? Black Twitter says that this was a distraction because there's a comet hitting us. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, our bus driver's black, and he was like, you know Why what this means? Why would they want to make life suck right before the fucking big one hits? How cunty. What? 
<laughs> well, my my, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it might not have been Peter Atia that said that. I don't want to attribute this to him, just in case I'm wrong. That said that people that are around it more often seem to get sicker. It might have been. I don't want to look right now, but let's just take that away from him. But if that is the case, that's a that's so it's so different than anything else. It's weird. What's weird to me is how some people, apparently nothing happens, and other people just get wrecked. Like, we're talking about the same thing. Like, what is this thing? I had H1N1. Did you really? Yeah. I I just figured it out, like, a couple days ago. It was the sickest I've ever been in my fucking life. And I was like, and I I mean, I mark it down as, like, I thought I was going to die. Was that over, did did H1N1 happen a lot in America, or was it mostly overseas? It happened, I was talking to Drew on my podcast, it happened around 2009 in December, November, December is when we had an outbreak. In America. In America. And my cousin had it, Dr. Drew was telling me about his experience, and I was like, man, that's so fucking crazy. And I told him, like, oh, the sickest I've ever been, and I recounted it. Then I go through my Instagram, or my, my Facebook photos, and I look, that's December 2009. And I go, dude, I got H1N1. It was, I'm telling you when I say, I've never felt like that when you don't get, you're, you're kind of breathing, but you're not getting oxygen to your lungs. Mm. And my wife didn't get it. My wife didn't get it. My kids didn't get it. My mom didn't get it. Wow. I was with all of them. And then my wife and I got on a plane and I drank. And that is what fucked me up. I drank and I got into Mexico and I was, I mean, without a doubt, the sickest I've ever been. The sickest. I mean gasping for breath could not be comfortable throwing up chills it was the worst chest infection i mean i thought it was i've always written it off to walking pneumonia and then we were talking about it and i was like december 2009 that's exactly when i fucking got it wow that one had uh, a really high fatalization rate in within 40 to 50 year olds yeah so what's crazy about word fatalization i might have made up sounds right Fatality rate is what I should have said, Fatality. but I said fatalization. <laughs> but I was thinking, uh, does that, you can't even say it that way. It's <laughs> funny. It's funny how saying something wrong the wrong way just immediately makes you a fucking moron. You can say like the most <laughs> interesting and complicated shit ever, but then you said, and then like the fatalization of it all. Like, what? What the fuck did you just say? Fatalization. It's Bitch, like, you fraud. It's like when you use, you ever use a, a, a saying wrong? I went. Yes. I pitched. I pitched a movie in Hollywood, and I used "salt of the earth" as if they were dirty people. Oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> These are the real salt of the earth. You know the people you want to stay away from. <laughs> oh no, that's the. It's isn't it funny? But that's this is how easy it is for us. We can't understand that wars were fought over salt. They literally fought for war for wars. They fought wars. They killed over people. Over salt? Yeah, for salt. Salt was so important. Salt was everything because salt allowed you to preserve food. You could take fish and meat and all these different things. You can cover them in salt, and the salt prevents growth of bacteria. So you can keep things even at room temperature far longer covered in salt than you can if they're out exposed to the air. For real? 100%. Yeah, so the salt of the earth was like a uh, an incredibly valuable thing. Oh, wow. I really used that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that weird, you know, the man? the people in the like, subway. <laughs> think of that wasn't that long ago, man. People were having fucking wars over salt. This this whole situation has has forced you to think much more globally and and transcendentally. Transcendentally, you did it. Uh, you yeah. just tried one out. <laughs> but like down the <laughs> transcendentally. I don't even know if those two words go together ever. But like like <laughs> you 
You look at like, like the, a double verb. You look at the. I my daughters were watching some movie about the Great Depression yesterday, and I was like, oh, that seems kind of real. Yeah, now like, it does. Before it, it seemed like shit. That'll never happen to us because it would have never happened to us economically. As fucked up as the economy is, like it dips and then it comes back because the same amount of people need the same amount of shit. Right. So we got to make stuff and it just it comes back. Yeah. Right. Same amount of people are willing to work. Same amount of people are healthy. Same amount of physical resources required to make that shit. OK, let's figure it out how to make the shit again. And then people make the shit and they sell the shit and things keep moving. This is different. This is more more disturbing than anything we've ever seen because it's something that nobody suspected. Out of all the, the consequences of a global pandemic, nobody ever thought, oh, no, the whole world would have to stay home and no one would ever work. No one thought that. Never, never in a no million. No one thought that. No one thought that. No one and wrote then, a script about that. But then some people have to work, right? Like supermarket people and healthcare people and firemen and all these other people that have to work. And you're like, okay, so we're just kind of like kind of putting a Band-Aid on it, but it's all going to keep getting out, right? It's going to keep getting out if they get it. Like if they get it and they're in contact with people all the time, they're going to be the bridge between people and the disease because not everybody can just stay home. And it's almost like we'd have to go door to door with people with uh, fucking hazmat suits on, delivering food, staying in your house. Everyone has to stay in their house for two weeks. Like it's going to get to a point where if it keeps coming back, like do they keep instituting stiffer and stiffer measures? Like it's just started, right? And already we can't have public gatherings of more than 10 people, can't can't go to a restaurant. You can't uh, do a stand-up show. You can't go to the movies. So all those things are done. Gyms are closed. All these things are closed. This, this has never happened before. And everybody just stays home. Well, if, what if that doesn't work? Well, do they keep ramping it up? You know, what if like five months later they realize, well, what we've done is instead of like letting this disease blow through everybody, it's going to blow through quickly. Now it's like slowly trickled into everybody it's going to affect. Still affects the same amount of people. Still infects the same amount of people. That, I mean, they don't know whether or not that could possibly happen. They're hoping that it wouldn't, but it could flare up again. That was That's another piece of concern. They're worried it could flare up again. That's one of the things that's crazy is the uncertainty. Yes, exactly. That's the number one thing. Because we all want to pretend that all this shit makes sense, even though we're temporary life forms. Oh, don't get planet. me fucking started. Even though, even though. The star that powers the solar system itself has a finite lifespan, and things have changed so much. Even though all those things exist, we still want to pretend that the world's going to be the way it is right now forever. I think this is not good for us in that people are going to die and people are going to get sick, but it might be the survivors of it might experience a shift in the understanding of what it is to be alive, what it is to be a person. What this life is. This, this life is not, it's not about fame or money mm-hmm. or, or, or getting your point to be the one that gets accepted by everybody or, you know, arguing with the left or arguing with the right. It's not that. This life is people hanging out with each other and staying alive. That's what it is. Have you interacted with people like we were out putting a fence up in our front yard? Some people walk down the street. It's kind of cool. They're waving to each other. Yeah. People are saying hi. People are appreciating each other a little bit more. People go, are scared. Guy said to me the other day, he goes, uh, hey, man, how you doing? I said, good. And he goes, how you guys holding up? I didn't even, I didn't even know the guy. Yeah. I, said, I said, good. How about you guys? Really cool. I went to, uh, I had like a fucking insane toothache in the middle of the night the other night, right? I had to go to Rite Aid. 
and it was open. And I was so grateful. You know, you take it for granted. I just go to Rite Aid and I start driving there and I go, oh, they're probably not open. Like, we're in shutdown. Yeah. I pull up and they're open. Poor young lady sitting there with gloves on and a mask. I buy some Ambisol and I go, I, just, I was like, I never said this. I go, hey, thank you. Like, thank you for being awake in the middle of a pandemic yeah, and moving. working here so that just a toothache, like yeah. a fucking toothache. People risking their health. That's, I hope that we still feel this when when things start to clear up. And, I, I, man, I'm optimistic. I really do think we're going to fucking flatten this curve and things are going to go back to normal and everyone's going to be safe. But I hope that people are still that way. I hope it weighs with young kids. It weighs with me because I'm a little older and I feel like I'm I'm allowing myself to change in a grateful way of, of like seeing things and Noticing things that maybe I didn't notice because I lived in Florida. I lived in different places. I hope it happens with kids. I hope kids, my kids, put their phones down and want to interact and want to, you know, and be like, I had a month on my fucking, two months on my phone. I'm out. I want to I go ride a bike or something, you know? Yeah. Well, there's levels that this can drop. This is one level. One level is stay at home. Um, you know, another level that this could drop is if the grid goes down. You know, there's things Jesus that we Christ. there's things that we rely on that we don't even we don't even think twice about hitting that light switch and knowing that all that juice would be powering all these lights, and that my refrigerator is going to stay on, and that you know I'm going to keep being able to charge my Tesla every night. You you assume all that, but there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee that this fragile system is going to stay in place, particularly if something bad happens, like a solar flare, like one solar flare could wipe out our whole grid, one big one. Can wipe out, you know, I mean, one asteroid impact, one, you know, one crazy super volcano eruption, wipe out everything, all of it. And then uh -huh. those things are real. They happen all the time. They're, they're 100% real. They're 100% real, and we've documented the history of them in, in the planet Earth. Fucking thousands of them. <laughs> they're Jesus. always happening. We just, we just don't live that long, man. We don't live that long, and so, we forgot. We forgot that all this shit happened, and we, we thought that because, you know, from my, my life from 67 to 2002, there was nothing nothing like this. We should, the things like this don't happen. It's amazing. Do. it's amazing how many people have called me about guns because I do a bit oh, about yeah. guns in this new special, and everyone's like, hey, man, get me your gun guy. <laughs> this is a good place to move, time to move to Texas. Get yourself a ranch. Thank God we trained with what's-his-name. Yeah, Terran Tactical. Terran Tactical, yeah. man. I know how to use my gun. I feel very confident with my gun. Yeah, it, it certainly helps to get some training in. You peep, that's a it's going to be a big issue with people uh, shooting people accidentally. <sighs> with people that don't have good firearm safety and uh, they haven't been instructed correctly and they just go out and shoot guns. Oh, yeah. I don't know what the rules are today in terms of being able to buy a gun. But when I first bought a gun, you, there was no rules. You just If you weren't a criminal, you could just get a gun. When was this? When I first came here, 94. Oh, really? Yeah. And the rules now are it's a 12-day waiting period, and you have to take a test. Test is pretty easy. Um, you take a test, you buy the gun, and then they, they have to, you have to wait 10 days. You definitely days, had a waiting period. Don't get me wrong back then. But what I'm saying is there was no instruction. Oh, no, there's no instruction. Yeah, th that's what I mean. Like, there was no you – di you didn't have to show your proficiency, or <laughs> you didn't have to definitely show that you know, you, you know where the safety is and you know how to remove a, uh, a magazine. You didn't have to show anything. I didn't even, he gave me some play bullets, like they're red. 
He was like, mess around with those, you know, get comfortable with your gun. And I, and they didn't work. <laughs> so I never figured out. I just literally had a gun. I didn't even load it. I was like, I have a gun. I don't know what to do with it. And then Taryn taught me everything. Mm. And so that's the only reason I know how to do anything with my gun. But I bought two guns. Didn't know how to fucking, I had a bullet. This is a joke in my special, but it's true. I put a, a bullet in the shotgun and I uh. thought I got the one that goes, but I didn't. And I didn't know how to get out. I was like, I called my buddy Coward. I go, how do I get a bullet out of a gun? He was like, does Cowhead live in Florida? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know. why you called him? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Cowhead's talk to the gills. <laughs> I would call Anthony Cumia first and foremost. Are you having another one? Yeah. Okay. Not. Yeah, I'll take one. One more. One we're more. Not, we're not getting crazy. We're having two drinks, like gentlemen, over a short period of time. Yeah. What is it? An hour and 36 minutes into the podcast. Perfect. We halfway spaced it. Yeah, it's perfect. I feel perfect right yeah. now. Yeah, no, no worries. I don't want to send you off the... Off the the wagon, you know, man. I I I had a like the a little weird epiphany about like I want to be with my kids right now, you know, like hang with them. Well, that's the, what I'm hoping is good. That's going to come out of this, right, for all of us. I hope so, so man. So Cheers, I'm, Joe. Thank you for doing this, man. My pleasure. I know how Thank fucking you. swamped you are. I love it. I love you, man. Mm. That's a good whiskey. Is that Buffalo Trace? Yeah. I just love the fact that this company started out during the pioneer days. This is a company from the 1700s. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Jesus. From the 1700s. It's one company. It's got to be one of the oldest companies in the country. Like, so, what's the oldest company? How is, I mean, th th I think that shit was around, like, like right when the United States was being formed. We got Levi's or, no, that Levi's are the 1840s, right? I don't know. They were canvas, right? They used to make them out of canvas. J they used to make them out of old uh, tents. Well, I think, yeah, I think the canvas that they had back then was probably made out of cannabis, too. It was probably hemp. That's why it was so durable. And that's what they used for clothes forever. Apparently, I've, I had a hemp shirt. It was kind of whack. I always felt like a hippie when I was wearing it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have a Sliding hemp. doors. Sliding I, doors. I like to see that transition in Joe, where you smoke weed but don't love jujitsu, and you get into, like, an oxygen bar. <laughs> I had a, uh, I still have a hemp ghee from Datsusara. It's fucking great. Yeah, hemp is, it's, uh, it's a weird fabric. It's, it's really, really durable. Like it's my hemp ghee's never ripped. Really? My cotton, no, man. The stitching might go, eventually, but man, cotton ghee's after a few years they give out. You know, I'm all these dudes trying to kill you. They're yanking on you and shit. They rip. <sighs> they rip at the armpits. They get bleached a bunch of times. They get a little weaker. They start ripping. That hemp motherfucker. That thing doesn't rip at all. <laughs> it's an alien planet. Hey, what's the name alien of that plant? Rather. What's the name of that uh, dude? You had the best fucking. This is nine years ago. You talked about a guy who did a kettlebell workout, and I had it on my computer, and I haven't. And I'm Keith Weber. Is that it? Was like a fucking twenty minute Extreme credible. kettlebell cardio workout. Oh, yeah. oh my god, it's incredible, right? It was like heart attack. Oh yeah, yeah. It's and you could do it with a thirty five pound kettlebell. You hold on to a thirty five pound kettlebell, you're like, but this thing ain't doing shit to me, <laughs> dude. Thirty five pounds, son. I'll be like, I'll throw that around. Uh, Ten minutes in, I'm ready to die. That's the one I, I've been looking for. That because I'm trying. I want weightlifting is my thing right now. Like I want to, I want to put mass on because I don't want my bones to fall apart. So all I do is run. All I do is run and spin class. That's it. But I want to. I want to do. I want to put weight on. Like I want to lift weights. That's a good move. I like the way you're saying it too. You don't want your bones to fall apart. 
Yeah. That's uh, people need to take that. If there was a supplement that you could take that would actually increase your bone density, do you know how popular that supplement would be? That, po- <laughs> that <laughs> supplement would be so popular. Everybody would want to take something that actually increases your bone density and, and makes you less vulnerable to breaking your leg if you fall down. That's when the shit goes sideways is when yeah. you're 65 and you break a hip, you break your femur. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's a game changer, a broken bone yeah. at that age. You want to maintain muscle mass, and the, the best way to do that is by picking up heavy things. But during this isolation period, though, one of the things that you can do, especially because uh, we're assuming this is only going to last like a month or two, we're hoping, um, one of the things you can do is you could do a lot of fucking calisthenics. You know, you can do all kind. like you can do significant numbers of push-ups and bodyweight squats. And if you have a chin-up bar, just a chin-up bar that you fit inside a doorway is perfect. Just get one of those. Get one off of Amazon. Get the kind that you screw into the wall so it can't fall <laughs> off on you. You don't want to die. I've had Especially that one. Especially if you get silly and you try to do flips back and forth and you fall on your face. There's no hospitals, okay? Yeah. Nothing's open, you <laughs> asshole. But if you just get a regular chin-up bar, just a chin-up bar, push-ups, sit-ups, doing like uh, like a bunch of different body weight exercises, like pistols and, you know, like one, one-legged squats and different yoga routines, you can get shredded, shredded. Yeah. You know the Herschel Walker story? That he actually got jacked from doing push-ups and sit-ups and stuff in between commercials of shows he would watch? No. Yes. Dude, that's my brain. That's my brain. <laughs> I love, I love nothing more than a punishment challenge like a punitive yes. like yeah. when we were doing that on the road i was like because marky mark and dr Wahlberg, dr oz did their push-ups yes. i made a joke video going those are bullshit push-ups they were bullshit push-ups dude i did fucking 60 of them but why did they do that marky mark is a stud he can marky do mark's real... push-ups were better than dr think, oz's do you think he gets mad if we call him marky mark definitely i got nothing but respect for him i got nothing but respect I love for him that guy. But he's, he's on a great cam- actor he's on a campaign right now like he's nothing but in my news feed about what about just I don't know, clear like a PR campaign. I don't know what he's. I don't know what he's doing. Well, it's probably all about him, you know, promoting a movie or something like that. But Spencer for hires on a Netflix. Very, very fucking inspirational guy. Dude, Look he's how fit. He is. Boogie Nights is one of the best nights fucking ever. One well, of the best a, movies ever. He's got a lot of great movies. <laughs> he le- le- legitimately has a lot of great movies. But like as a human being, like when you look at like his uh, dedication to fitness. Uh, he's not bullshitting. He really is up at five o'clock in the morning working out like a beast every he's day. He's the real deal. Yeah, he he is. Like I think if you had pivoted and just on acting, I think you guys have probably similar personalities. Like very like I've never dedicated. Met him. I don't know for about real. That. Yeah, I never met him. He was at a UFC once, but I was doing commentary, and sometimes when celebrities are there, I look over, try to catch their eye, say hi. Oh. You know, I got a hug from Jeremy Renner. I was very excited. Really? I never met him. He came over, and gave him a big hug. I was like, dude. He seems like a really cool guy. That. He's really cool. He's really cool. But yeah, Mark, yeah. Mark Wahlberg's push, push-ups look legit, like uh, kind of legit. Le- look, he's a legit stud if you look at his workouts. I mean, that guy goes after it. You don't get built like that. I don't care what you're taking. You don't get built like that unless you work hard. Yeah. There's no magic pill. That's no. all hard work. Like whenever someone says, oh, yeah, they're on testosterone replacement, that's wonderful. I'm sure that helps. It definitely helps. But you don't get built like that. In, unless you're working out hard. Dr. Oz's oh. push-ups are bullshit. Now, Mark's, Mark's look like tricep push-ups. It's a little bullshit. It's a little bullshit. Hey, First wait. of all, the right way to do a push-up, I'm not <laughs> being a stickler, but legitimately for your own body, Dr. Oz is actually doing it better in that he has his elbows closer to his body. Follow me here. Like your hands in front of you and this. And this is a good 
motion for your shoulders. Yeah. A lot of people think that this is a not a good motion, that this elbow out, it's a different thing. And maybe it might be better to do it the way Mark Wahlberg is, where you're not going up all the way. Oh, I'm sorry. I got them confused. Dr. Oz is closer to us. Yeah, so yeah, Mark yeah, yeah, Wahlberg's yeah. doing Mark it right. Mark Wahlberg's doing it right. That's right. I was about to say. Like, what? I got them confused. And he lapped him in his polo well, sweats. Well, dude, the, Mark Wahlberg was doing them way better. I'm sorry. I said it the wrong way. I, th- I really thought that was Mark Wahlberg in front of us for some reason, because Dr. Oz says, why did I think that? This is strong weed. <laughs> that does obviously the guy with the fucking hat and the gloves is why is Marky Mark have gloves Here, show on? My, why see he if have you can pull on? up my push ups on my Instagram. Why does I he have d- gloves on though? I looked at these push ups, I was like, Dr. Oz, those aren't real fucking push ups. They're not. Neither one of them are doing real push ups. But Marky Mark, up. you know that Marky Mark can he bang can, the fuck out but of push ups. They probably decided they're going for numbers and he can't lose to Dr. Oz by doing legit push ups while Dr. Oz is doing those bullshit push ups. Oh, yeah. oh, it's yeah. like a strategy. Here's the problem with like I love Mark Wahlberg. But, I'd love him on this podcast, but he's he's not he's not on the table the way he would be without cameras. Oh yeah, he's yeah. too brand friendly. I want to I want the good. Oh, he's doing great. He's doing Why, great, but I want to stay s- out of podcast. Don't do it. I'll I'll talk to you off off air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's awesome, man. He really is. A, I was in Boston at Medford in the Chevalier. It's a like a smaller like a thing in there. What is it? It's a theater. It's a oh, instead oh, of doing you do you can do the Wilbur the Chevalier sits seats more, but it's, you say it's in Medford. Medford. Ah, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I lived there for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So I know you. I know you've said talked about living in Medford, and then I got obsessed. And Bill fucking sucks about this because <laughs> he just shuts you off. He goes, dude, dude, it's all the same. It's fucking Boston. Look, look, I, I'm not Mark Wahlberg. I'm not Southie. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, no, there's different spots in Boston. I was obsessed. I want. I want. If someone can online do this, I want. To all the Boston comics, all of them, even like Dennis Lee, like all of them, I want them, I want them put on a map, and I want you to tell me about that local area. Because if you do that with Florida, it's very simple to wrap your head around. Jim Brewer grew up, like lived in Brooksville mm-hmm. at one point. If you know Florida, you know Brooksville. You know who moves to Brooksville, right? So like, I want to. I don't. So tell me. <laughs> Fucking a seventy-year-old like World War II vet and his young wife. Oh, really? Oh, like my kind of people. Like, like <laughs> it is. It is like borderline retiree. That's what I want for a neighbor. I want a, a crazy old dude with guns with a hot young wife. I think I'd that was like, Brewer's up, dad. <laughs> I'm like, what's up, bro? I like how you're doing it. <laughs> but I, I want to know all about Boston and and like oh, all my is? all my friends. I want to know about their neighborhoods mm-hmm. where they grew up. And how that defined them? Because I hear Boston, and I go, "Was Bill, you, Dane, Gary Goldman?" Uh, I never l- really lived in Boston. Boston. I lived in Newton, which is uh, a very nice community that's uh, outside of Boston, uh, which is uh, Newton Upper Falls, where I lived, which is like the blue collar part. Yeah. But even the blue collar part, I went back there just a few years ago. It's idyllic. It's beautiful. Really? Oh yeah, it's so nice. I lived across the street from the Charles River. Right across the street from this big ass park, it, the Charles River was back there, and I could hang around and play in it when I was a kid. Newton was a very, uh, very almost it was suburban, but there was also like elements of rural shit. There was like rivers and and forests and stuff that were really close by. A lot of woods, really? a lot of trees and woods. Yeah. So where were Matt Damon and Ben Affleck from? I don't know. I don't remember. They were from more of an urban part. I mean, like I said, I lived in Jamaica Plain first for like a year, which was like sketchy. But Newton wasn't sketchy at all. Newton was nice. It was a good place to grow up. It was pretty easy. I mean, there was bullshit between kids, but there's always bullshit. Everywhere you fucking, everywhere you go, you're going to have bullshit between kids. They're all trying to figure their way through life. 
But like ultimately, it was a pretty nice place to live. And it also, man, I think there's a fucking giant benefit to growing up where it gets cold in the winter. I really, really? do. I never had. I think cold. my kids are getting screwed. Getting, I think they're. I think you're getting screwed if you live in a place where it doesn't get cold. Why? Because it builds character. It also teaches you about weather and nature. Like there's a reality of the consequences of going out when it's cold. You could die out there. There's a consequence of driving on the road where you can't see where you're going because the road doesn't exist anymore because there's so much snow. Oh, yeah. That's real. That can happen. Oh, it didn't happen to me until I was like 29, 30. Yeah. The first time I ever drove in, drove in snow. Yeah. But there's, a, but there's a something to be said for a, it is cool to be a grown-up and see snow for the first time. Oh, I'm sure. It's like, yeah, it's you like, probably appreciate it more than I did. Oh, I see snow. I get so excited yeah. when it snows. Well, I had it till I was seven, and then I had it again when I was 13. So all those years of living in California and Florida, obviously, I never saw snow. I saw snow one time when I was in San Francisco, I remember. I was like, wow, this is interesting. It's like one of my, my strongest memories from San Francisco. It snowed in Tampa. Seeing a little bit of snow. Just it's, a little bit of it snow. It snowed in Tampa in uh, like 1978, 1979. Yeah. I remember it. So fucking vividly. It shuts shit down, but it also, you it pays you back with character. You develop character. My favorite people, almost to a person, in terms of like their attitude about things, are all East Coast people. Yeah. So the, I, I, all my favorite people. Are East so Coast many people. of them are. So many of them are cold weather people. So many of them. I mean, there's a few that I'm really close with that are. LA people that born and raised here and it's not like I, I like them less it's just that the numbers of people that are interesting that I'm I know what you're saying with, there's less bumps on them when they grew up in LA you're like yeah so you grew up in Santa Monica <laughs> how what was that like you go to the third street promenade a lot <laughs> yeah what did you do what was a hard day it kind of rained <laughs> it rained a little bit it rained a little bit oh I remember Northridge oh I bet you do <laughs> I was uh I was uh, hanging out on the top of, uh, I had a, a like, uh, when I lived in uh, Newton, we lived on this really steep street, and there was a, a part of, uh, like, above my parents' bedroom where you could stand on the roof. So you could go out to the back, you could climb up a ladder, you could stand on the roof. And me and my friend Jay Jewett were, or no, I'm sorry, it was John Jewett. Jay's brother. Jay was my friend too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, John and I were on the roof, and we were because John was dating my sister, and we were watching cars slide down this frozen street and slam it into curbs. Every car that went down the street was fucked because they didn't know that it was it was all black ice. The whole street was black ice, and uh, we sat on the roof, and there was not a goddamn thing we could do. Wait, and, how many black guys? No, not black guys. Black ice. Oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Bert. I thought, Jesus I had, Christ. I had a visual The whole of, street was black guys. <laughs> I had a visual of like 200 black guys just watching white people careen. And I'm like, holy, it got so much better. It got so much better no, with black guys. Winter weather, black ice. I'm sorry. My, I probably, we, we've had a lot of weed and pot and uh, alcohol. I probably it's slurred my so words. so much better of a story black. watching it's a bunch of black guys like it's a slam dunk contest. Like, oh, shit. That's hilarious. Oh, my no, God. It was uh, cars just bouncing off the curb. And so we called the cops. 
and we told him, hey, there's all these cars, like two cars in a row have uh, come down this hill and they're bouncing off the curbs. And so the cops came down the hill and they fucking bounced off the curbs. <laughs> These fucking dipshits. And we're watching them. And me and John are watching this car bounce off these curbs. I'm like, look at this fucking idiot. Did you not listen? We called you, man. <laughs> And you're like, I gotta see for myself. Why don't you come up from the bottom, you fuck? You grab the phone, you're like, call Domino's. They came the same way everybody else did, and the same thing happened. Like, oh. we know better. We know better. We're gonna calm down. Oh my god. Show you homos how to drive. <laughs> <laughs> they just bounced off the curves. Oh my god. Oh. But I really believe that growing up like that is good for you. I think spending my high school years in Massachusetts was really important. It's really important to shovel snow. Like, that was one of the ways we made money. Like, you get pumped when it snowed out because you could charge people. So you would go to this lady's house, and you know you knew she couldn't shovel this fucking long-ass driveway. Yeah. And you'd make a negotiation. Like, uh, when I'm looking at it... I'm trying to figure out, like, I'm trying to do my math. Math's always terrible. Oh, right? wow. I think so I'm you're like, a kid it, and you're going, yeah. like, uh, dun, dun, dun. that's yeah. a valuable trait. Yeah, I'm like 14. I'm trying to figure out uh, how long it's going to take to <laughs> dig up two feet of snow from 40 feet of driveway. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you're never right. I would you're love to hear my right. daughter's price point on that. <laughs> Some people were great. Some people were really generous. They even give you a tip. You know, they pay you like, you know, maybe a hundred dollars to do a whole long ass driveway, but bro, it would take you all day. You oh. know, when someone has one of these motherfuckers that goes up to their house and you gotta, and it's like two feet of snow, you gotta do, you don't even realize how much work that is. Dude, I would come home wrecked, just wrecked. Dude, I, we were, <laughs> we were at a yurt at 7,000 feet in uh, fucking Idaho, right? And I, I, I low on oxygen. I'm, we've been riding snowmobiles, drinking beers all the way up to this yurt. And I get there, and the whole fucking deck is covered, and there's a snow, uh, fire pit. I, I'm so excited as a Florida kid. I go, I'm gonna shovel the deck, and everyone's like, Hey, man, you're gonna have a fucking heart attack. And I go, <laughs> I go, No, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I've been so excited about shoveling snow my whole life, right? I've never done it. <laughs> it sucks dick. It sucks it, the most. Within, I gave it to my buddy John Sales. I go, You got to finish, man. I can't do this shit. I was like, I, I'm I'm Florida kid, man. I, I'm gonna put on my flip flops. Dude, you know how many old ladies hurt themselves trying to shovel their way out of their house every year in cold climates when they don't have someone like a support system, like a son or Fuck. someone to come visit them and help them. A lot of guys that I know that are East Coast guys that live in the neighborhood of their family or anywhere near their family, like it's almost like understood. When it snows out, you go over to your mother-in-law's house and you dig her out because she's stuck. I mean, that's real shit, man. Yeah. You have to. That, I think that it's dangerous and it's definitely an added fucker of life where you like you come to California like thank God there's no snow yeah. and that's how I was when I first moved here I'm like thank God there's no snow but part of me is like man I learned from that snow I learned a lot of shit dude that taught me a lot about perseverance because I used to deliver newspapers so I drove every day I drove every fucking day every day 365 days a year I was driving for years because it was the best way to not have a job while you have a job yeah. like the job was I just had to go somewhere and get the newspapers and then follow the route and throw them out the window but while I'm doing that no one's looking over my shoulder no one's telling me what to do and it's not the worst pay in the world it was pretty good pay thrifty nickel I used to deliver the thrifty nickel in Tallahassee oh yeah oh Sean Simmons got me the job he's like hey man it pays good it was like 400 bucks all you had to do was one Thursday 
but mm. you woke up at the crack of dawn. They filled my Jetta front seat, back seat, and trunk with thrifty nickels, and I had to run what around. What is a thrifty nickel? That was like a it was like a, a savings magazine, like a savings oh, newspaper. Oh, okay. And I was and the movie Singles had just come out, and so I was listening to the soundtrack of Singles. <laughs> what if was I, that movie? Uh, it was Matt Damon. No, no, Matt, Matt, Matt. Who's the good-looking Matt that we grew up with? That was in Beautiful Girls, Matt. Oh, Matt, that guy, Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. I can't. I see him. I see. I saw his face. Matt Dillon. It was Matt Stingle Dillon. Pony boy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Do you know how many times I've said that in my head in an airport bar? <laughs> Stay gold, pony boy. One more. <clears throat> Dude. Uh, and so it was. It was a Cameron Crowe movie. Singles. There it is. Man, that whole soundtrack. Kira Sedgwick. Eddie Vedder. Matt Dillon. That was such. And I listened to that. That whole. He's preposterously handsome. He's a he's a dude. I saw him in person. He's striking. We bumped into each other, and he did the Matt Dillon hello. A guy like that almost has a curse. Too handsome. We were trying to buy Coke at the Formosa Cafe. Shh, it's past. I think we're good. I don't know, man. Maybe he doesn't want people to know. No, not me and Coke. him. No, not me and him. Oh. Me and my friends. <laughs> me and my friends. Not me and Matt Dillon. <laughs> By the way, if we had, I would have fucking ratted him out. He was with he was he was with the little guy from uh, from uh, from Beautiful Girls who goes. She goes, "Hey guys, Sambuca," and he goes, "What, Meg? Too early or too late?" Like the little you know the little guy from those movies. He was so good. No, uh, Beautiful Girls, one of the greatest fucking movies ever. Is that him with Chris Cornell? Who's yeah? That's who's, him with Chris Cornell. Who's on his right? I think that's she was famous. She's uh, someone's daughter or something. Hmm. Bridget Fonda. Chris Cornell was one of the biggest bummer suicides. Was that from? It was from Xanax, right? I don't know what it was from. I don't know what it was from. I mean, I, I think there's a, a bunch of different. Sonny uh, Garcia was one that fucked me up. Big big surfer from L.A. or from I Hawaii. Know. I didn't know about that one. Oh, dude, that bummed me out so bad. Cause I, I'm a, I, despite not knowing how to surf at all, I'm a huge surfing fan. Mm. And so. Uh, I was and Sonny Garcia was like the first dude that first dude I remember seeing him and Christian Fletcher had tattoos like <gasps> when you were like bro they got tattoos what did their parents forever, say <laughs> forever keep it for life God and then uh, but yeah he he committed suicide in like Portland or something I think I remember reading that now I didn't I didn't know about him but I think I remember reading it now um, Bourdain was the hardest one for me I wish I had met him that was one of the ones where I'm like. <sighs> You know, you always think, like, that guy was so smart. I wish I could have talked to him. He was so smart. You know, sometimes people yeah. can, can, they can get in a bad way. They can get in a bad way. But you can pull out of that bad way. Sometimes you need to know. You need to know that there's a, there's a, there's a light at the end. You got to... I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was chemical or emotional. I don't know what it was, but he had so much to offer. His perspective was so unique. He was such an interesting guy. Like a genuine, and just, you could feel the chaos in him. He was a fun guy to discover. Yeah. You know, like when you were when you first found him. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people found him on their, on their own, where they were like, dude, this fucking show, no reservations is awesome. Dude, I would have loved to see him, you and him get drunk together. 
Because he made me tap out. <laughs> Dude, we went camping. We went pheasant hunting in Montana, and then we went camping. Yeah. And Bourdain goes hard in the paint, son. <laughs> he went hard in the paint. And I found I couldn't find any weed. I thought I had weed, but uh, I had a uh, vape. I had a vape pen. <clears throat> so we busted out the vape pen, and they're passing around the whiskey. I mean, we were barbecued, and he keeps going. He just he, really? he kept going. He would just keep going. He wanted to go... He wanted to go to the Netherlands. He wanted to pass, pass into uh, the next dimension. He wanted to escape. You know, he would go hard. I would have loved to have party. He was so with him. interesting. I just really enjoyed his company. You know, he's just. Uh, I don't. I didn't. I never. I never knew anyone like him. He's a very, very different guy. And I, I always was like happy that he liked me. Because I was always yeah. like, that a guy like that could work. It's like, I come off the wrong way sometimes to people, you know? Like, you think you do? Yeah, well, you do too, I'm right? fucking shirtless. Are I you know, kidding yeah, me? yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. I come off the wrong, I come off wholeheartedly the wrong way with intention. I, people go, <laughs> that guy is a fucking idiot. I, it was, I was telling Jim Norton this this morning. When Showtime did my special machine, Helen, I keep saying Helen, that's her name. She works at Showtime. She made a very, very wise tactical decision. She said, I think you shirtless is a bad idea. <laughs> I said, really? And she goes, I, ju I just think that a lot of people are going to change the channel. And man, was she right. I had the lowest rated special out of all of them for the whole year. It was the lowest rated special. And then when I did, when that story went viral, it was because my shirt was off that people recognized it. And mm. I think I, I was saying this. I think it's the thing where, like, when big government puts an entity in front of you, like when, when Showtime puts that in front of you and you have the remote, you go, ah, fuck that guy, like, thumbs down. But when you discover it on your own online and you go, shirtless guy, what's that? The onus is on you, so you're more forgiving yeah. and you'll listen. Yeah. And I think that's the cool thing about podcasts and, like, what we do is that, like, I, I, remember, I remember discovering your podcast. Isla, you and Tommy, this is like must be episode three. You and Tommy were doing a podcast. Isla was a baby. She saw Tommy Buns on the screen and clicked it. It was on a Twitter, or maybe MySpace, but clicked it, and it was Snowflakes. And I came in, and Isla was watching you and Tom on my laptop. And I, wow. and I sat with Isla in my lap, and I started watching it. And, from, and it must have been like episode three, four, maybe even before you started calling it Joe Rogan Experience. I was fucking hooked, and I was a ride or die motherfucker, like because I found it. But is it, but if you put podcasts like when these guys say, and I'm not a shit on, but people sign big deals with podcasts, and then podcast company goes new podcast. It's it's like I gotta find it. When you find it yourself, you fucking love it, man. And I found I found Bourdain sitting in my bed, no reservations came on. I didn't know what it was at all. Didn't know anything about travel channel other than man versus food, and I fucking. He did this monologue that I was like, dude, that's what every yeah. guy hosting television wants to do. Yeah, his monologues are brilliant. It's cause brilliant. He was, a, he was a great writer. He wrote writer. them. He wrote them. Yeah, he was a great writer as well. As uh, He's just just super unique. When he got into jiu-jitsu, I was so happy. I yeah. was so happy. Cause that was, was a like, fucking shift. But also, I was like, like I'm going to be closer friends with him now because he's into jiu-jitsu. Yeah, you're like his uh, knock-on. Well, yeah, in a, in a Not way. Call, what's his name? John Dudley. John, yeah, John Dudley is like, yeah. he gets a call from you and he's like, ah, Rogan's calling up. I'll take it. What do you need to know about Bo setup, brother? <laughs> <laughs> With him, it was like such an interesting shift because uh, when I'd known him before, he was smoking cigarettes. And then um, I met him 
Uh, act, no, actually, I met him after he had stopped smoking cigarettes. I knew of him when he was smoking, when he was on his television show. <clears throat> and then he had his daughter, and when he had his daughter, he stopped smoking. But I remember reading that he decided to uh, take statins rather than clean up his diet because it was just so important to him oh to eat well. God. And he did, wasn't exercising at the time, and he was drinking a lot. But it was so important for him, I mean, for what he does and what he loves, to just to be able to eat well, just eat the most delicious artistic creations of master uh, culinary assassins. God. And so that's what he decided to do. And then when he got into jiu-jitsu, he didn't need the, the high blood pressure medication anymore. Or the, what was it, high cholesterol that's medication cholesterol, anymore. Yeah. He didn't need it anymore. He was his whole body like transformed. He seemed so much more when he was on CNN. He seemed so much more grounded and and, and healthy. Yeah, but in some ways, but to me, in some ways, not like in some ways, I was like watching him age very rapidly, physically, like how he looked, like um, and I, you know, I love this guy to death. The towards the end, I would see images of him. I was like, wow, he looks, he looks like he's, he looks like he's struggling, like um. He's his body is aging a lot, and it could be just because he's traveling so much and he's drinking so much. It could be many, 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 many. Traveling, many, traveling many with drinking things. is is very different rough. than living at home drinking. It's rough. It's all rough. It's all rough on the body, you know. And then you know, probably all the demons he was battling that he succumbed to in the end anyway. You know, there's a that's there's something about that. But there was something about that fucking look that he had. When he was at that place, it was like you just wanted to talk to him because he knew he had some shit to say. God, man, what a fucking brilliant mind, yeah. too. My wife was, before I started watching him, my wife read uh, uh, Kitchen Confidentials. Is that his? Was that mm -hmm. his? And my wife's like, this guy's fucking amazing, Bert. And I was, and that's, I was in bed with Isla, and I watched, it came on TV. Yeah, he was awesome. You met some fucking fascinating people. Yeah, he was one of the first to ever do the podcast too. Do you remember one of the when, first like real guests, like famous people that came in? Do you remember when back in the this is like a throwback? Do you remember when like Ari was the most fascinating person, <laughs> or like Brian Redband? Like, remember the well, those, I talk about the podcast like back in the day when yeah. you you had that landline that would ring for no reason at all. <laughs> yeah, I kept having to pull it out of the wall. Who is the first guest you got on the podcast where you're like, shut the fuck up, uh, Graham Hancock? Oh, yeah, that's we, right. We went and grabbed Graham Hancock, Graham Hancock, and I believe it was Graham and Duncan and I. And we sat down. <clears throat> this was way, 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 way early on. And I had picked up one of Graham's books. I believe it's, I always say Footprints of the Gods, but it's really Fingerprints of the Gods. I'm pretty sure. And uh, the book was about ancient civilizations. And it was all uh, about um, how there's some... There's a, a massive amount of evidence that points to the possibility that Earth experienced some sort of a cataclysmic disaster somewhere in the neighborhood of 12,000 years ago. And that all the stuff that we see um, in these older civilizations, it's really complex and confusing. The reason why it happened, and there's just like this down period and this up period again afterwards, is because a giant percentage of the population was wiped out by an asteroid that they can prove hit. And he's been proven more and more and more correct as time went on. And for me, just as a fan of that subject, because like just what we're experiencing now with this pandemic and yeah. just with life in general, we, we love to think that things are static and nothing's static. And there's nothing sadder than someone who doesn't recognize that they're not static anymore, right? There's nothing sadder than a, a woman who's in her 80s who still puts on too much makeup 
or uh, you know, or or a guy that's that age is still doing push-ups on the front lawn and flexing for the neighbors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Good morning, Miss Mary. <laughs> There's nothing sad about people that don't recognize that things aren't static. And he is. Uh, He's like the guy who sounded the wake-up call in my consciousness. Look at that. What year was that, man? September 25th, 2011. Wow. So wait, so, how long has this podcast been going on? 10 years now. Yeah, it started in 2010. Duncan has not 2009, changed one right? fucking 2009, bit. and it went to December of, yeah. Duncan looks exactly the fucking He's same. He's the same. He's the same. But we had these, uh, look, there's a flashlight over my left shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> I was just telling Whitney about those days. But that was, listen, man, you could only have done that <laughs> podcast the way we did it if you did it that way. But meaning that, like, no one has to be watching. No, no. one cared. It didn't mean anything. <laughs> Dude. And we were blasted out of our minds. For the first, like, 80 or 90 episodes, maybe even more, I was so high during every episode. Oh, Remember when we do the volcano shots? I remember that big fucking volcano. <laughs> and it would sit right next to you and it would just keep smoking the entire time. So if you had to sit next to Red Band on the right, uh, it would just burn the whole time. Sometimes we'd be in the middle of the conversation and I'd be like, have we started the podcast? <laughs> dude, dude, I remember I remember that time so vividly. It was like it was like a shift in the fucking universes of like yeah. I remember going to your house. I always say this is my one of my favorite stories. The way I met you is the last way you should meet Joe. I went up to your house, you were at the door already, and you were like, hey man, I go, hey man, big fan, I gotta see the deprivation tank, your dog, and a pool table, <laughs> then we need to get high, and then I'm ready to do this. And you were like, caught off guard, you're like, okay. You took me back, I met John. I met Johnny Cash, you took me down to the deprivation tank, we played around a pool, went out to that back where the swing set and the chickens ended up being, smoked a joint, Red Band showed up, it changed my fucking life. You said, hey man, you gotta tell that machine story every time you get on stage. If you hadn't done that, I don't know what the fuck I'd be doing. If you you know that well, that's what happened that first night, right? So I tell the machine story all, to your podcast, and you go, "It's one of the best stories. It's one of the best stories ever told." You go, "Ladies and gentlemen," you go, "You tell it on stage." I go, "No." You go, "You got to start telling that on stage." Hey everybody, and you talk to the you go. He is from now on known as the machine. You <laughs> yell the machine at every one of his shows until he tell make him tell it on stage. So I go to Columbus the next week. I go do my first show Thursday, eh, you know, like maybe 120 people, not not sold out, and they start chanting the machine. And I go, uh, hey, guys, it's not a stage story. And this dude in the front row, death squad, ride or die, death squad, covered head to toe, goes, hey, Bert, we understand it's not going to be funny, but you got to tell it if you're going to want it to be good. So <laughs> go ahead, man. Come on, guys. Right, right, right. And everyone started cheering. You can do it, Bert. You can do it. That's I hilarious. told it. I told it. And they, at the bar, they're like, you know, we had to fake laugh a couple times, but I think it's a good story. <laughs> Dude, cut from that Ugh. to me and Tom Ugh. doing our weight loss challenge, right? The first time we did our weight yeah. loss challenge. And that machine story went viral that week. That week, that machine the story way, went viral. The week you guys did began the challenge or finished the challenge? The weigh-ins. When he shaved <gasps> my beard, really? the machine story went viral That's that fucking crazy. week. I say they go, they go you know, you, you, I I'm always say I'm the luckiest dude in the world. I think I, I think I work hard, but I'm very, very, very lucky. I'm more lucky than anyone in the world, right? Just I, I stand by luck. But man, the luckiest I've ever been is is making friends with a group. Like I remember you telling me, I remember you coming out and saying I was I didn't want to make friends. 
You came out with a shit. We were at the Ice House. We were doing Death Squad Chronicles. Came out with a shot and a beer. You say, hey, you're a good guy. I go, oh, yeah, thanks. You're like, you know, we're all trying to be your friend, man. And I was like, no, I got it. I got it. And you're like, no, like, like you just got to let us. And I was like, no, I understand. You're like, no, no, no. That means like when we call you, call us back. And we, I went, yeah. And you're like, no, I don't think you understand what you're saying. You go, me, Joey, Ari, Tommy, we're all trying to be your friend, Bert. Well, we have to tell you, I, want, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. So as I explain this, I'm going to be very careful. Okay. The reason why we're saying that, because we know you had been friends with a tyrant. <laughs> <laughs> You were fucking, you were shell-shocked. We're like, Bert, you, we're your real friends. We like you. We're not, we're not trying to tell you what to do or fucking scream at you or belittle you. We actually like you. We're going to bust your balls, but we bust, everyone busts everyone's balls. That's oh, half the fun. That is a well, fucking I felt like you were like it. a beaten kid. We're like, Jesus Christ, we got to lighten this Chrysler guy up. I remember you guys call one Saturday. You go, what are you doing? I go, I'm on the treadmill. And you go, nah, come over to the ice house. And I said, oh, I'm good. And I hung up, right? And then Tommy called me back. And Tommy goes, hey, man, you got to let us try to be your friend. <laughs> fucking come to the ice house. Just come to the fucking ice house. And I went. And then I heard you on the, get over here. And so I fucking went over to the ice house. We had, had a fun. fucking From blast, then on. dude. From had then a fucking on. blast. Yeah. I knew it. But, you know, that's how it is in this fucking weird business. Like, half the fun is finding a group of people that you can enjoy it with. It's half the fun. It's, it's all the fun. In my opinion, you used to tell me like about how traveling with Joey and Tom and, and Ari and how much changes fun it was. The, changes the game. Dude, I travel with a group of guys now, and it's so much fun to, yeah. get, to get. Like, we've been doing push-up challenges every night. You get wasted and go, fuck it. Let's go. Tens of tens. Josh, um, the Tommy's guy that he has open Josh for Josh Potter. Him, Josh Potter is fucking hilarious. Huh. He's really funny, man. Hilarious. He opened for Tommy. <clears throat> I happened to be in Vegas maybe like the last get out of the year. I was in Vegas for the UFC, and just coincidentally, Tommy was performing at the Mirage. Yeah. So I came to hang out with him. We all went out. We had steaks. We fucking had a great time on Friday night, and then we went to uh, to see his show. And then we went to see his show. That was the first time I ever saw Josh. He murdered, man. He's awesome, He's dude. really funny. From Buffalo. We, we used to- Is he? Yeah, you'd run into him every now and then, and man- Tom's a, Tom's a legit. I got to say, Tom's special is probably streaming right now. If you're watching this, it's streaming on Netflix. It's called Ball Hog. He'll be on the podcast, I'm sure, this He's week. Tomorrow. Yeah. He's tomorrow? Tommy's on tomorrow. Yeah. 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 But uh, And what's good for, good for the goose is good for the gander. We got a podcast, Two Bears, One Cave. Check out Two his. Two Wear Bears, One Cave. Say it so people can understand it. Two Bears, One Cave. You don't have to shove it in there. It's an old host habit. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about saying things fast? Like, okay, okay, okay. Two Bears, One Cave. Dude, I get I get my brain will wrap. I'll I'll get verbiage in my head like body shots world tour. I just runs. Do you out know so who Mac Lethal is? Yeah, dude. You ever yeah. listen to him rap? He, double triple yes, fast rap. Yes. His his rapping confuses the fuck out of me. Like I don't even understand how someone's lips can move. How about that Eminem? Fast. Did you hear Eminem when he did that Eminem challenge? You saw Jamie, I'm sure, because me and you were both children. But Mac Lethal's probably the fastest. I don't know this Eminem challenge. I wish you could play it. Well, I I heard some Eminem shit recently that was really fast too. Really, really fucking fast. fast. Really fast too. But I kind of think Mac Lethal's on another level. Yeah. Yeah. If I had to put the two of them in a fast rap off, <laughs> I got my money on. I got my money on that Lethal fella. Gentlemen, don't you a think? Fast rap off. There's a section of the song he says sixteen or ninety nine words in sixteen seconds. Eminem does? does? Yeah. 99 words in 16 seconds. Yeah. 
Wow. When you were younger, did you ever think like there was a celebrity that would love your comedy? Like when you were younger and you were like, no, man, it's one of the weirdest things ever was looking in the audience and seeing famous people. It took forever to get used to that. Like who? Who's Gene the first? Simmons. Gene Simmons. Fuck Gene that Simmons. guy. I know you hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he blocked me on Twitter. Did he really? Yeah, fuck oh, Gene that's Simmons. hilarious. I really wish I could be the consigliere that brought you two together at uh -uh. this time. He was a big discuss. comedy fan, though. Yeah, he, he used uh, to go to a lot of comedy shows. His son, I think. His like son's my cool comedy, as fuck. And his son brought uh, his whole family on New Year's Eve at the improv one one weekend. Yeah. One, one uh, year, rather. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. I was like, Jesus Christ, Gene Simmons in the fucking audience. When I was a kid, like, I loved Kiss. They were awesome. When I was a kid, God damn, man. It was like my favorite band. It was a weird band. Because oh, people would mock you if you if you loved them. I was obsessed. Do you remember the movie they did where they <laughs> yes. took over a fucking Kiss theme park? Phantom of the Park. Phantom of the Park. Yes. I remember that. Uh, Bro, the, the power went out in the middle of me watching it and I cried. Wait, how old were you? Because I remember how old I was. <laughs> I don't know. I was probably like 11 or something like that. I was at Pat Fagan's house. I must have been seven. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest movie ever. My parents came and they're like, time to go home. I go, we're not done. We're not done. I didn't really cry, but I might as well. I was like, God damn it. It's fucking powers off. My dad, my dad would, would, would wake me up and he'd wait for the 7-Eleven commercials where they were on Slurpees and he'd crank it up. He'd go, shout it, shout it, shout it out loud. And I'd hop up. I'm ready to go to school. First grade. I'm ready to go to school, Dad. Every kid that was into Kiss identified with a particular member. Oh. Like, my friend Javier was really into Peter Chris. <laughs> oh, my God. I was hardcore into Peter Chris. Yeah. I met Peter Chris. There were certain dudes that thought they were Paul Stanley, certain dudes that, like, I, I was a Gene Simmons fan. I was in between Peter Chris and Ace Freely. <laughs> I bought Ace Freely's solo album in high school. I didn't ever think that I would be spiritual enough to be tuned into Ace Freely because Ace Freely was the spaceman, right? He was the dude who was mellow with the guitar, with the crazy guitar. He had a really good solo album. Remember when they did the solo albums with their faces dude, on it? Yeah. Back yeah. in the New York groove. Yeah. I love that song. Dude, they had some amazing, like, like the branding of Kiss. Like, mm -hmm. meaning, like, you remember them in the suits? Yeah. The picture of them in the suits? Yeah, Dressed to Kill. Yeah, that was a fucking... Dude, Wasn't that, it Dressed to Kill? I hate that I hate Gene Simmons. <laughs> like, I want to love him so <laughs> oh, bad. It's so sad. It's so I hard I don't to... remember the story, but I saw it one day. Someone sent it to me. One of my friends sent it to me. Us talking about you hating Gene Simmons. I'm like, God, I kind of forgot about that. I had a bad interaction with him. There it is. That's such a badass. F and clogs. He's wearing clogs. I know. <laughs> they, were, they were different kinds of people back then. God. I feel like there's no way we would ever be able to understand what life was like being a bunch of dudes who were world famous, wearing makeup, mocked, openly mocked by so many members of the music community, yeah. whether it's radio stations, they wouldn't play. They, th they thought they were a joke, and you were a fool if you liked their music. And then they take their makeup off for a little bit. Remember that? Kiss Unmasked. I remember that. I wasn't and then a... nobody was into it. And yeah, they're like, fuck out. it, we're going back. Out. We're putting it back on. I was at Pat Fagan's house, and he's like, you want to see what Gene Simmons looks like? I was like, hard pass. But they wore everybody out. They wore everybody out. They stayed in the game. I mean, they replaced two members, Ace Freely and Peter Chris, that kind of rotated in and out, and eventually they replaced them with new people that played the same characters. So there's a new dude who's the cat dude and a new dude who's the space dude. 
And for a while, they tried to do it different. Like they added a fox. One guy was a fox. And people were like, get the fuck out of here. You don't remember that? I don't remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, when uh, Peter Chris was gone, they put in some new dude. Instead of a cat, he was like a fox. (laughs) It was a real problem. And the the hardcore Kiss fans were like, this is fucking bullshit. You know who's a hardcore Kiss fan? Who? Kevin James. No, Kevin James. Me and Kevin James, two nights in a row, went to see Kiss in L.A. Uh, I think I think it was at the Forum uh, during their comeback tour because we thought they were never going to come back again. <laughs> <laughs> so this is me and Kevin James. And, man, I don't know what year that was, but it was in the 90s. Who was that guy? That's the Fox. Eric fox. Carr. Yeah, he's a fox. Eric Carr, yeah. Yeah, get the fuck out of here, bro. <laughs> Nice guy, great musician. Don't get me wrong, but no, <laughs> you can't add new characters. Kevin James and I could not be more different. Yeah, he's a he's a great guy. He's a great guy. Me you and Gary, love, you would love. Him. I know, I know Kevin. But I mean, if you really knew him, like I knew him. Oh like, yeah, I'm, I'm tight with him. Uh, you know, I hooked him up with my manager. We we have the same manager we have yeah. from the very beginning. I've known Kevin for fuck twenty nine years, maybe. Gary and I were tight. Gary Valentine. And I was I. tight with Gary too. I love Gary. He's a great Valentine. guy. Gary Valentine, one of my favorite stories ever. One time we're at the improv and he goes, Bertsky, shot. And I go, <laughs> I go, yeah, Gary. And he grabs, he grabs two shots and he hands me one and then he grabs his and he takes this is back when the improv had candles and he does a shot of a candle, whacks all over his lips, he goes, I took the wrong one. Okay. <laughs> Gary Valentine is the Ooh. fucking funniest human being, man. Drank a shot of candle. He just sh- splashed on his lip and he goes, I drank the wrong one. I can't be good. Yeah, the uh is it interesting. <laughs> what are their what are their pit their real name is not their Don't be giving up their real name, you fuck. Oh, fuck I, uh... Jesus Christ, Bert Kreischer. <laughs> Causing trouble. <laughs> yeah, they both got different names, but they're, they're brothers and sisters. Whatever. <laughs> brothers. I Kevin, remember Kevin's a he's an interesting cat. He really is. Yeah. Very interesting guy. Very quiet. We sat one time at his house when uh me and Gary and I think like a couple other guys and I was getting wasted and he was just sitting there looking at me and he was like, Hey, what are you partying for? <laughs> I go <laughs> I go, I'm just enjoying it. And he goes, What? And I go, All your success. And he was <laughs> like, Huh? I said, Kevin, I would be doing it so different if I was you. <laughs> He but was he was yeah. so he I remember he drove like a I want to say a Jeep Cherokee on his third season of King of Queens. Yep. He had like he was very conservative. Never Yeah, well he's he's a guy who plays the cards close to his chest, you know. Such a sweet dude. He introduced me to guacamole. Right, yeah. He's the the only reason why I've ever been in any movies. Well, I I did some terrible movies that nobody saw before. But the, like the movies that I did once I didn't need to do anything any anywhere uh, yeah. anymore in in terms of acting. Was his movies? I did two of his music. I, I did uh, Zookeeper and I did uh, Here Comes the Boom. And the only reason why I did him is because I love Kevin. It's He's just, such a great. The Zookeeper dude. was fun too. It was so ridiculous. I had to learn how to dance. It's like it took months and months of my time. It was really interesting. I saw that dance. You can actually it was dance. So, it was so ridiculous, man. Dude, Sebastian Maniscalco. No, some can of dance. it. Some. I, I, in all fairness, some of what you see is not actually me. Some of it is me, but there was this dude who was a professional dancer who was like a stand-in yeah. who was amazing. He was amazing. So the the stuff where it's clearly me, I definitely did a lot of the stuff. All the stuff with me and Leslie Bibb where I had a holder and all that stuff, that was me 100%. But this, this dude was so much better than me. Where, <laughs> where, where you couldn't tell, they stuck him in. You know, and he was like built like me, and he would. it was perfect. It was like it, it, 
nobody could tell because because <laughs> he was really good. Like when you see how hard it is to actually dance, you go, my God. Like when you see a, a real professional, it's one of the most dismissed things with people. Oh. We dismiss it. Like, oh, what a frivolous pursuit, learning how to dance. But if you can really dance, it's so impressive when someone has like full control of their body. That's what Tom said to me because I'm a better dancer than him. <laughs> Dude, I did. I did. <laughs> Fuck Tom. Let me tell you something. That cocksucker. <laughs> my daughters. My daughters said. My daughters saw Tom's video and they looked at it and they're like, "Wait, Tom can dance." I go, "You didn't say that when you saw my video." And they go, "Well, you paid someone to teach you how to dance." I go, "So did fucking he? You think he did that on his own?" They go, "It looks like it." It looks like he figured it out on his own. I tried to do that Irish dance for the. Release the special, but you gotta appreciate the fact that Tom did it in a Steven Seagal outfit oh, with on. a carrot. <laughs> Don't ever like. <laughs> I, if you, I swear to God, if you watch the video of me watching that for the first time, it's a love letter. It's a man reading a love letter from his boyfriend. <laughs> when Tom, sa- he, I said, I he goes, how do you feel? I said, like privately, I go, it made me feel very honored <laughs> that you did that. And he goes, it's because I love you. <laughs> like the like. When he put that out, it meant so much to me because I go, because I thought I put out my dance video and everyone made fun of it and we watched it and we giggled. But the fact that it inspired Tom to drop 80000 whatever he spent, 80000 $110,000, the fact that he made a reply video made me so fucking excited. Well, he I, went so deep. He went so, so fucking deep. He Joe, murdered you. Joe, Joe. Was you, know, you realize what he did. He made me. He told yes. me, he goes, I sat and did facial recognition for him. Yeah, we talked about it. Oh. He fucked you hard, bro. Bro. <laughs> I, you have no idea. <laughs> the times I stay up in bed going, this is how I'm getting Tommy. <laughs> I swear to God. Uh, when the guy had the machine shirt on. We sell those at, at <laughs> we sell those now and they're fucking going crazy. They're all at my shows, just sheen. Oh my god. It's fun to watch our fans uh, like our fans go back like go back and forth with us and yeah. like bust balls with us because that's all all we do. Yeah. But uh I know it is. It's it it is fun. It's cool that our specials are airing back to back because I think was look, I I I want his special. I want his special be number one trending on Netflix without a doubt. But don't worry about all no, that. No, no, no. This is no, no, no. Because you know because I know that that mine. To watch I know that this. mine will be number two if it's number one. But don't worry about number fucking... one and number two. Let all that. Oh, shit look at this go. fucking. So sad. God. It looks like you ate Joey Diaz. Poor guy. <laughs> That's a real person. Uh, well, that gentleman should take this time to better himself. <laughs> we can all do better. I can. Sometimes people just go off the rails. That guy uh, went off the rails. It's diet, man. Diet. Diet's everything. It's everything. But I'm not on uh, the carnivore diet during all this craziness because I'm just eating. Yeah. I'm just eating calories because I, I, like the supply chain and the way things are, there's no way I can justify only eating meat unless I'm only eating my meat, like the elk meat that I eat. And I'm How much gi- I'm elk giving meat a lot. do you have? I got a lot for you. Uh, yeah, done. Freezer bags for you. Fuck yes. Yeah. Um, I like to, I love giving it away too, man. I love when people cook it. But other than that, it's like I need to eat food. Like I'm not concentrating on weird diets or make sure I. I mean, I could eat only meat, but I'm not even thinking about that right now. What I'm thinking about right now is just like making sure that I make the right decisions with everything that I do from here out because I think we're in uh, unsung territory. 
or in Neverland. How long do you think you can go? I don't know. Lockdown. I don't. But here's the thing: we we this is what I really feel like. We all got to do this together. Like it's not the 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 problem is even thinking how long can you last. Part of the problem is even thinking that. Well, how long can we last? Mm. How long can all all of us last? And I think this is if the power goes out, that's when we're really forced to cooperate. And I don't want the power to go out. I want us to figure it out before that happens. <laughs> yeah. I want us to take this uh, plunge in the, into the apocalypse and baby steps. Here's my question. Would you host a shitty game show? No. If it, hold on. <laughs> if it meant giving money to people in need of money in this time. They go, hey, Joe, we want you to host. Uh, who wants to be a millionaire? <clears throat> hey, but why would I do that that way when I could do it right here? No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I would never do it anywhere else. No. Yeah. No, I don't want a boss. You can't do it. I can't. No, nothing you do, you could do if someone was looking over your shoulder telling you what to do. Some yeah. corporate guy who just wants to make sure that he can keep paying his mortgage and funding his lifestyle. And, you know, and he's got a lot of experience producing television shows. He just let me handle this stuff and you do your job and I'll do my job. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Bert, we got to have a talk. You drink too much. You're getting too fat. Your belly's out all the time. And networks don't like it. And next thing you know, you're some fucking different thing. And I'm sure you appreciate the gig that you got at Travel Channel, just like I appreciate the gig I got at Fear Factor. But the, it, it's not that it's not a great job. It is a great job. It's just like everything in life. If you have higher expectations of yourself, if you want to express yourself in the most accurate way, the best at being comfortable in your own skin, the only way you can do that is by yourself. Yeah. You can't have some fucking giant bankrolled machine with hundreds of employees all with their job riding on whether or not you say the N-word. Jesus, Bert! <laughs> <laughs> They're like, fuck! They would have They're lost their jobs. they the TV. Hundreds of people in the corporation. Fuck! He's drunk! You can't <laughs> rap lyrics! You can't! You can't say those words! Do you realize how many times if there was a corporation behind Bird Entertainment, they would oh be like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, that's the irony, isn't it? The irony is, look how successful it is without any of that intervention. If you just are yourself, if you just are authentic, and that's what you are, and that's why it works. That's why all podcasts work. They work <clears throat> precisely because there's not a machine behind them. Yeah. There's not a giant corporation behind them that counts on them. They work because they're they're independent. That's the only way you get real people. That f the fucking thing that you get when you make people behave in this weird way, it's not a good thing. Mm -mm. It's like you're you're not getting an accurate representation of what it is to be a person. You can't count in there. They're just lying to you all. I mean, that's why pol politicians and political speeches are so strange. They almost universally act like no one you've ever met. Yeah. When they're doing those speeches, <clears throat> when they're standing in front of a podium, doing that thing with their thumb and, and doing their best Barack Obama impression, you're, you're literally putting on an act. Yeah. You're putting on an act. I have no idea who you are. <laughs> you might be a morning DJ from fucking Cincinnati. Hey, here we come. Coming at you with the hits. It's 19 Kid Chris. <laughs> to 6. Here, you're up the early people. You're the people getting it done. All right. <laughs> I mean, how many of those guys were interchangeable? How many of those guys were interchangeable and they would they you could put them in a strip club. They could be a strip club DJ, they could be a regular DJ, top 40. There was a voice. Now when someone's talking in that voice, 
you have no idea what their real thoughts are. You have no idea. You've not a clue. And that's most of what we got with like the Today Show. Like if Matt Lauer had a podcast and it turned out that he was just a pig. <laughs> How great would that be? People, people would be like, I knew that guy was a pig. They'd be like. <laughs> oh, that would be so fucking awesome <laughs> if he leaned into it. Well, if he was just who he actually was. Right? Like when you're doing a show like that, like something like the Today Show, one of the reasons why people are so angry is because you've been pretending. You're this like wholesome character all this time. Yeah. You, you've been pretending. How great would it be if Matt Lauer did his Matt Lauer voice, but he was talking about porn he jacked off to? Mm. He was like, has anyone seen tentacle porn? And back right now from 8 o'clock hour. It's Matt Lauer. Mm, We're but, going up again. Wouldn't it be better if you figured out how to not be that guy that you are on TV and just be who you are when the TV's off? I don't think he knew who he was ever. I think he was the. I think what defined Matt Lauer was being famous. Ooh, you just hit a fucking nerve. It defined a lot of us getting into this business, and then I think a lot of it shifted. I think the good ones stuck to what they wanted to go, what they wanted to be, and I think a lot of people still just want to be famous. I think it just. It well, you really... know why? One of the reasons why is because it's hard to be. What? But it's hard to be famous. Yeah. So when there's a thing that out there that's hard to get, like, mm, how the fuck do I get that? You ever seen like some some people they're into like exclusive things? Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like you you only want one. Like if there's only four of these bags in North America, I've got to get it. Yeah. You know, girls will get like certain bags. Shoes. Guys get shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Travis Scotts. Oh yeah. There's a lot of dudes that are into Jordans, like specific old school Jordans. I'm looking at you. <laughs> Right of me, excuse me. <laughs> well, you're into sneakers. No, you're a sneakerhead, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Have you bought like, any sneakers since the pandemic? Uh, about one pair last oh, night. Oh, you are horrible. But they're on sale for like 100 bucks. I get it, man. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it in some ways. But you were saying people that are into elite things it, correlating to famous people? Yeah, it's hard to get that bag. And it's hard to get famous. So when you're not famous, it looks like a thing that would be cool to have. Like, oh, look, look at this bitch walking on that red carpet. Goddamn, look at those shoes. That bitch, she paid $300,000 for that outfit. <gasps> look at her chain. Oh, my yeah. God. Look at this. Look at that car she got out of. That's a million-dollar Bugatti. <laughs> right? There's yeah, something about It's yeah. hard to get, man. If you're driving around town in a, in a fucking 2001 Honda Accord, and you see someone step out of a Bugatti Veyron that you know costs a million dollars, like, holy shit. God damn! Look at Gucci Mane. You know, there's 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 certain there's certain things that you see that you just get like really jealous of, not because you would actually want them, but because they're so unattainable. You yeah. Know? And people fuck up with that. That's why girls get asses that are too big. Oh right? yeah. They get crazy and they get this bizarre diaper ass with these little skinny legs, and Ooh. the two things don't work together. Why? It's because they they overshot the mark. Right? You painted your house pink. Slow down, okay? You had a bad idea, and you ran with it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it looked good from here. Keep going. Paint the whole fucking Paint house. That house. <laughs> I saw some guy who built something on his house that was basically a fuck you to his neighbor. He built like a middle finger somehow. I forget what. Oh, it was three chimneys. He had three, three chimneys, chimneys together like this. To build like a fuck you to his neighbor, because so, he, he hated his neighbor. 
Dude, that is such a fucking investment to fuck you. I don't have that kind of money. See if you can find that guy. That is literally fuck you money. I think he got in trouble for it. I think the I think maybe he like said something about it or something. Johnny like, Depp look has at those a... fingers. That's you. That's to you. I wrote that because I fucking hate you. Johnny Depp has a big gorilla flipping off his neighbor. I think a gorilla, like a huge. Fucking but Johnny Depp has like 18 houses. But Which he wanted house? he wanted the last one on the block. <laughs> oh, and there's someone who bought it. And the guy wouldn't sell oh, it. Oh, that's right. He owns like a whole block. He owns a whole block. I spent the night at his house one time. Okay, let's slow down. <laughs> oh, dude, I have a voicemail from Johnny Depp I haven't deleted. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy talking to him, man. He I is was, uh, fucking, fucking awesome. I was drunk on margaritas in Hawaii, and Stan Hope put me on the phone with Johnny Depp. <laughs> And I was like, man, how weird is my life? Dude. <laughs> I'm sitting here talking to Johnny Depp while I'm hammered in a lawn chair in Hawaii. Going, Dude, yeah. he, him and Stan Hope called me one night, and I let it go to voicemail. I regret it so much, but I got it on voicemail. <laughs> Bert, Johnny, I'm with Doug. You know, me and Tom are working on a script with Johnny Depp. Are you really? Yeah. Good. <laughs> Good for you. We pitched it on the podcast, and I was like, and then all of a sudden, everyone got interested, and I was like, fuck it, I'll write it. I tell you what, I enjoyed talking to him. He's a very wise guy. He's a, he's a very, when you when you talk to him, he's there, you know? He's a, a dude experiencing something that a small fraction of all the humans who have ever lived have, have been able to experience. He's experienced fame on the most preposterous oh. and staggering level imaginable. And then he's experienced that as almost like he owes people something. So he's being held to these standards that, that, that none of us would ever want our own lives to be held to. And some weird fucking legal battle between who, who did who to what to what happened and there's recordings and all this chaos. Like, God damn, like living this out in the open like this. It's all like this. It's sad because you look at him in a different way because of that. Not but when you, you watch the Pirates movies. He's man, brilliant, he man. He is so, many so good in those movies. Like, so good on so many levels that I've seen them all, and we just, the first week of Pandemia, we just watched all of them all over Dude, again. Dude, Donnie Brasco. Donnie Brasco's fucking How amazing. Is, he's so good. Blow. In Blow, Blow. he's fucking out of this Dude, world. He's he's one of the best actors we've ever had. One of the best American actors that have ever existed, for Without sure. Without a doubt. And you and keep I'm telling you, as someone who talks to crazy people all the time and talking to him, he's as remarkably put together as you could ever expect a person to be that's as famous as he is. He's a really good guy. Like you talk to him, he's there. He's talking. He's just talking to you. There's no you know, he's there for you. He's talking. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's just experiencing something that no one is prepared for. He's Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. He's Johnny Depp. What a How fucking... many Johnny Depps are there? This one bitch. This one. This fucking, this one fucking this seven Johnny billion Depp. people on this planet. He's experiencing some weird shit. You know? He's not a bad guy. Dude, Edward Scissorhands. Dude, he's done everything. I mean, that guy is... How many movies has he done? How many movies? Uh, let's ballpark it. I'm going to say 50. Yeah, I think you're right. I'd say I'd say. Then he was famous for, like, wasn't that 21 Jump Street? Or not yes. That, uh, like, yeah, you're yeah, right. Long, yeah, long 21 Jump Street. And fame? Was he on Fame? He was, I don't um, know about that. I don't know about that. I'm going to live forever. Uh, the I'm going to learn how to fly high. I'm going to 
Freddy the Cougar movie. He got killed in that. Yeah, he uh, got killed in Freddy Cougar. No, oh, he no. got killed in Freddy Krueger. Yeah, yeah, he got <sighs> head pulled through a thing, right? Isn't that, that funny? Movies. And he comes back and it's like, let's find a way to have a guy with claws for fingers, but he's a nice guy. Scissor hands. After you get killed by the worst guy with claws for fingers, like dude. There's three guys historically in film with claws for fingers. Wolverine. Wolverine. But his was different because they came out of his knuckles, right? They always confuse me because they get broken off but still came back. But Freddy had him on his finger. Look at him. God My damn. God, look at that belly. <laughs> Amazing that he came That's together so well. That's a fucking teen belly. He was beautiful. He was a beautiful man. Like, th like that's not a normal development. Congratulations to him for making it to be as normal as he is. But he, so he's with this guy, who is one of the worst, with the claws or fingers. And then he becomes Edward Scissorhands, who's just kind of confused. What a, what a stretch as a character, too, to play that as yeah. this, like, confused. <laughs> <laughs> My yeah. nickname in college was Edward Penis Lips. You know another weird <laughs> thing that he did? You know what I really enjoyed? What? The Lone Ranger. The more recent I never Lone saw Ranger. It. He played a Comanche. And uh, there was a, this is like, I've, I kind of got into this when I was uh, reading uh, Empire of the Summer Moon. is a book about Comanches. I bought it on audiobook. It's amazing. Yeah. I say reading, I'm lying. I listen to it on audiobook too. <laughs> but then I started reading things about it online. And one of the things I started reading about it is that Johnny Depp played a Comanche in this movie and actually... Like, did some weird shit. Like, he had, a, like, a stuffed bird on his head, which apparently some of the Comanches and some different Indian tribes would actually do. Like, Crazy Horse even did that. He had a stuffed hawk yeah. on his head. But, uh, like, he played this, like, really weird character, man. Like, Tonto. Yeah, he played, but it was a really weird Tonto. It was out there so Tonto. It, was, it wasn't yeah, the... It was, like, super fucking natural spiritual tonka, Tonto who brings the Lone Ranger back from the dead. <laughs> yeah. He brings it back from the dead in that movie. But it's a dope movie. But you're interested in it because of Johnny Depp. It's part, I mean, the, the character's so ridiculous. This Native American guy that brings someone back to the dead. But Johnny Depp plays it so hardcore. He plays it so to the bone that it's like, you, you really believe this, that this guy brought him back from the dead. That Tonto, the the, right, the original Tonto, is bullshit. Got in a lot of fucking trouble towards the end of his life for playing red face. Oh, did he? Yeah, that's, they called it his red face. Is like, what, he wait, was wait a minute, shunned. is he not really Native American? I think he was. Is that what you're saying, or is it that he was Native American, but that he played Native American in movies? I'm a little high. Mm -hmm. I okay. think he's Mexican. Oh no, how did? Well, or well, maybe he's maybe he's like part part more Mexican, part Native American. Well, here's but the thing: the, the fact is that he talked like. Oh, me so horny, not me so horny, but you know, <laughs> me so horny. Fuck, uh, that's me being. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Ah, uh, here's the chimney thing. It was yeah, there it is. Cactus on the side of a house. That's it. It's his chimney. Oh, nice. Hey, did it's you find cactus? Johnny Depp? Yeah. The outside of it is cactus. Oh, no, that's a cactus. It was like painted to look. Oh, like a oh, cactus. you said it wasn't a chimney. Correct. Oh, so it's, it's just cactus? It's found to be true that like he did this to piss off the councilman neighbor or something. Mm. Like yeah, he didn't like them. But I would, I'd be like, oh my God, this guy's hilarious. Imagine the amount of effort he put into. Look at that, right in his backyard. <clears throat> so ridiculous. And that's a councilman. That's why. Yeah. And so that's why he brought it up. That's the Streisand effect. Utah. Yeah. People, more people are gonna pay attention. That guy hates you. <laughs> See if you can find Johnny Depp's gorilla. I, I he swear, has a gorilla. A gorilla. I think I saw it. He I, owns I, a gorilla? No, no, no. Like a big gorilla, inflatable gorilla fucking flick, flipping off his neighbor. I think I touched it. What? 
Damn, how much do you drink? There it there is. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does it say? Johnny Depp. I was and pretty his wasted when I was there. Gorilla and congratulatory for. So he has this sculpture. Right in his into yard. his neighbor's backyard because he wanted to buy the house and they wouldn't sell it. Well, he needs to let that go. I love his hats. Be a good neighbor. I love his hats. He, he he's a guy who can pull off hats. Great jawline. It's almost like he's apologizing for being so good looking, so he dresses goofy. <laughs> I would love to get to that place where I started wearing fucking outrageous outfits. You could do that. Just lose a lot of weight. Like, from here on out. Yeah. What if you come out of this better than anybody? Like, let's maybe maybe that's one thing we should do. What's that? Maybe all of us should get together and have uh, a, a quarantine challenge. Maybe we should get together. Bro. Or, yeah. While this is all going It's like down, you're playing with my balls under the table with right? your foot. Come on, man. What'd you say? It's open-ended. You know, open-ended. no idea. What, when... are you scared of an end? No, I'm, I'm not in... scared of a finish line. I'm so into this. Yes. <laughs> you thinking, know this is how my brain works. I'm thinking, like, for all of us, like, what, what better way to turn this into a positive than to, like, just make some sort of healthy competition out of it, a la Sober October? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I gave myself a break tonight to, today with booze. I brought weed just in case. Listen, we're doing a podcast, Bert. Yeah, I'm sure you got a big comedy special out on Netflix. We got to have fun. <laughs> it was a success. We did exactly what I wanted us to do. This is perfect, dude. Perfect. Is, everything I everything. If you had told me in college, hey man, you know that guy in news radio? You're gonna party with that dude. <laughs> I'd be like, fucking, do I have to fuck him? And he's like, not Andy Dick, not Andy Dick. It's Joe Rogan. <laughs> Hilarious. I mean, this is like, my life's worked out pretty good. <laughs> oh, all of our lives have, man. You know, for me to be me is one of the weirdest things to, uh, you know, that I could wrap my head around. I, um, I have a hard time wrapping my head around it all the time. Uh, and and do you, like, and I, not to draw back to this, but like, it brings back perspective of like, like, honestly, just like how fucking lucky we are. And uh, like, when I think immediately I go, wait, staff at the fucking store. Yeah. Gotta, you gotta help, man. Yeah. Like, I'm like overwhelmed by that. We need to do like a comic relief or something big on our platforms that we can do where we can raise money. We could definitely do that. We should definitely donate as well. You know, I'm I'm donating. I'm waiting for them to set something up, but I think we should continue to donate. And I think that, um, uh, particularly uh, with uh, the people that we, you know, we have a system of all of us. There's the wait staff. There's the management staff. There's the kitchen staff, and all these places and They've all taken a big hit, and uh, and it's far worse for them than it would be for the same amount of money for us. So I think we could pick up some slack. Yeah, and I think if we all do that together, and we figured out like a, a good system within all the clubs, we could keep everybody okay. And I think that's that's doable. I don't think that's bad. I think that would be great for all of us. I think it'd be great for all of us as a community. You know, we'll we'll realize that like, hey, we can all chip in. We can help each yeah. other. You know, um, I have a lot of meat that I've been giving out. A lot of my comedian friends, so, you know. I'll be taking some of that. Yeah, man, it's the, the oh, best. I can't. I love, it makes me real happy to be able. You to know, do the that. girls when I got into uh, bow and arrows. Good, beautiful. Dude, I do you have a target in your yard? In the new house, yeah. We beautiful. Don't, we're, we're not going to be able to uh, rebuild the new house anymore, but we yeah. got a, we got <laughs> Just, a great backyard. You always go there and use the backyard from your old house. We use the backyard for the new house, yeah. and we live in the old house. <laughs> you know, it's not going to last forever, and this is going to be a. I hope not. At least, this is going to be a, a, a opportunity. It's going to be. This yeah. is the best thing you could say. It's an opportunity for us. Like you, no one can say it's going to be this or it's going to be that. I mean, I've, and I've heard a lot of people that try to either comfort people, or they try to push their point across, almost as if they, they can win this argument. 
then there it's more likely to be true and it's comforting in some sort of a weird way. But no one knows. No one know mm-hmm. no one knew that it would go to no one knew four months ago. No one knew four months ago that four months later we'd be here. No one. Zero people knew that. So if we didn't know that, like what we don't know what's coming in four months from now. It can compound. This is still right now, even in quarantine, the best time that humans have ever had. Ever on yeah. Earth. You know, obviously not for the people that are the victims of the disease. But we can be okay coming out of this. And it could be a wake up call for people to stop living these lives that are unsatisfying and, and, and you know, and, and figure out a way where we um, stop chase, chasing bullshit. It's my whole fucking life. Stop chasing bullshit. It's amazing, man. It, it Just perspective. It, and I think, I don't know, if I walk away with any fucking perspective, then I'm a better man, I think. Because I'm, man, I was in the, on the tour. Every week, every yeah. week, fucking burn it. I remember, like, I, I keep going back to this conversation Ooh. with Ali Wong. She's like, "You're touring like it's going away," and I was like, <laughs> "I was like, yeah, right." That's, a, that's such an Ali Wong way of putting it. She, too. Joe, she pulled me aside in the in the hallway so in front smart. of the OR and goes, "Hey, you're touring a lot, huh?" And I went, "Yeah, yeah." And she goes, "Yeah, you're touring like it's going away." That's hilarious. I go, "Yeah." Well, ultimately, you were right. Did you call her up? <laughs> See. <laughs> This is what I was talking about, lady. <laughs> it fucking, fucking did It's gone, go Allie. Where the fuck? It's gone, Allie. It might be gone for six goddamn months. We have no idea. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they, they might have... I mean, I literally know nothing about when the window of uh, a vaccine is. I've heard elaborate numbers from 12 months to 18 months. I do not know. I've heard all sorts of different stuff about promising medications, and this is within the first couple of months. Do not know. There might be something they come up with in a month or two. Who knows? Do not know. It's the cool thing about the news cycle is waiting for hope, like waiting for, yeah. like to get online and get excited and go, oh, breakthrough today. Or, but that's where, like, you, you goddamn man, once the shit goes sideways, that's when you need a really good leader. You really do. Yeah. You need someone who is honest. When all the bullshit goes away, when everyone's worried about an, an invisible monster that wants to kill your grandma, wants to sneak into her lungs and shut them down, when when people are worried about that kind of shit, you really want someone who has their character in order. You know, and this is this is one of the things that we should really take deeply into consideration when we talk about someone being a president or any any politician, anyone who's a leader. How are they how are they going to react when shit goes sideways? How are they going to keep it together? Are they going to make you feel good about this the reality of this world or are they going to just freak you out with bullshit? Are they going to make you feel less connected to it because you know that their words are not honest and that they're not accurate, they're not they're not heartfelt. It's just spitting out bullshit and you're like fuck this goddamn car is going sideways down the highway, and no one knows what to do. That's why we need to vote for The Rock. <laughs> I'd vote San, for him. I'd vote for him. San I would Andreas. get behind him 100%. I would. I'm all in for The Rock. As good as he is about everything else in life, he'd be great at president. But no one should be president. Yeah, but The Rock could. Like, What you need is a figurehead to let you know how today is going to work out. Yeah. As like you person. said, those inspirational speeches mean a lot. Yeah. And and the Rock could give us every morning from the Iron Jungle, <laughs> just like guys, big day of legs. Hey, listen, the economy's doing good. Yeah, but right now everyone loves the Rock. 
if he became president, 40% of the people would immediately start hating him. No. Yes. 100%. No, 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 no. 100%, bro. Unify the country. Impossible. Can't be done. We love it. Oh, they start love, digging into love, his past. Yes. Oh, I'd love to know what's and in the rocks past. Mean. They're just be mean. Talk about how dumb he is. He doesn't read. He doesn't do this. Yeah, he's got biceps. Say a bunch of mean shit to him and then attribute to his <laughs> decisions what the economy's doing and what this is doing and that. Not like that. Why would he do that? I when do. he could just keep doing Jumanji movies and everybody oh, fucking loves him. Jumanji movies are so fucking so good. good. Dude, so good. Aquafina the in the one latest one. Aquafina was the fucking home run. Yeah. When she came She's out. She's hilarious. Dude. I texted her like. Oh, on, you know her that well? I, well, I kind of. Oh, yeah. someone's the name dropping. No, no, no. I, I, name I, I called her out on like Instagram, going, "Hey, this is <laughs> fucking amazing. Aquafina's amazing. My daughters love Aquafina. Love her." She replied. She was like, "Hey, thank you, dude." My, when she played Danny DeVito. Amazing! <laughs> Stole the fucking like. I'm sitting here watching Kevin Hart doing a Jewish accent, going, "What the fuck's going on?" When Aquafina came in, I went. She I got chill bumps. She even had like a Danny DeVito slump that she was walking around with. She, she was, was really all, she stole the movie at that point. She's but really dude, good. The Rock, when The Rock goes off brand and he goes, "Listen, you weak ass bitches, listen, <laughs> motherfuckers," I get my heart skips a beat <laughs> when he pours a tequila and you're like, "Wait, it's the middle of the afternoon." This is why I love The Rock. Yeah, no, he's uh, when he was playing Danny DeVito, it was hilarious. Dude, they were. Oh, that's right. Kevin Hart was playing uh 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 twenty one or uh. Lethal Weapon, Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kevin Hart's funny as fuck. Yeah, and and The Rock was playing Danny DeVito. <laughs> so ridiculous. Dude, those Jumanji movies do not let down. The, the second one was just as good, if not better, than the first one. The first one, I just came out they of the movie great. theater and I said, "Girls, this is the best movie you'll ever see in your entire life." I'm 47 years old. You'll never see a better one than this. It was a perfect movie that you could take your family to, and the second one was the same way. It's a great movie if you're looking for a family movie to watch on lockdown right now and you haven't seen oh. Jumanji two. It's excellent. It's really good. It's fun, man. Kevin Hart is a talent. He's a special talent. So and that redhead who throws kicks—that chick is badass. Gorgeous. <laughs> And Jack what Black's is, back. Like he's amazing. fucking it's fun to watch him be not something other than Jack like what he's good at. The dude who plays a football player, Fridge, he's Fridge, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 Instagram influencer she it's a great cast, man. It's an amazing everyone. fucking movie. Yeah. It's funny to know Kevin Hart. Like my daughter the other day said something about Kevin Hart and I said something. She goes, Well, you act like you know him. I go, Yeah. Yeah, I know Kevin. She goes, You don't know Kevin Hart. <laughs> I go, the fuck, I don't know Kevin Hart. I know every, like, what are you talking about? Do you know Kevin Hart's brother is like a legit professional pool player? Kevin Hart's brother is in the front row at the DC Improv one night. And I'm making jokes. I'm fucking some fucking horrible joke. <clears throat> and he's laughing hard. And I say, you look like fucking, you look like a dirty ass Kevin Hart or something. And he goes, I'm his brother. And I went, sure you are. And he goes, no, I'm his fucking brother. I go, no, you're not. And he goes, I'm his fucking brother. He pulls out his idea. I go, oh, fuck, he's his brother. <laughs> I told, I, and I, yeah, I told him yeah. all the Kevin Hart stories I had. He's a legit professional pool player. For real? Yeah, like really good. Yeah, I watched videos of him play, and I was like, oh, this guy plays like a pro. Like he's, he plays like, if you're watching like any like real professional play, if you ever yeah. catch ESPN nine ball events, like Johnny Archer playing Earl Strickland or Shane Van Boning, he plays like those guys. Like legitimately. Really? Plays like a pro. Yeah, I watched him play. I was like, oh, he's like a real pro. Wow. Did you watch that doc documentary, documentary, Don't Fuck This Up, with Kevin Hart? No, I didn't. No. Pretty, he had, like, like, legit back surgery. Yeah. Like, legit. like cut down his spine. What did they have to do? <clears throat> I don't know. I drove by the fucking accident driving to work okay. one day. What is this? Yeah, that's his brother. Yeah. His brother plays really good. 
like really good. Like as a person who's been playing pool, I've been playing pool for almost 30 years. When I watch him play, I was like, I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, like watch this. He's doing this drill. Watch, he's going across, and he's making room for. Oh, his brother's legit good. Oh yeah, no, like like a real professional pool player, and he give he has these like videos that he'll put out of uh, instructional uh, drills, like he's doing right here. This is a positional drill that he's doing to try to get in line for um, each uh, each That's ball placement. Well, he fucked up here. He's got to yeah, bank yeah, yeah. this. Oh, oh, he goes the other way. Once you pass the side pocket, then you go the other way. Oh, that's interesting. So the whole idea is just uh, just drilling, cutting balls in off the rails. It's very difficult to do. And he's doing it like a guy like Mika Eminen or someone like that, like a, like a real professional. He's really good. Like I watched him play, and I, <laughs> I sent Kevin a text message. I go, dude, your brother is fucking legit. Like, he's a real pool player. His brother is legit. Holy shit. Yeah, dude, he's really good. Like, he's a guy that, like, looks like he could win. Like, he's playing Darren Appleton. Darren Appleton is, like, he was a top snooker player in England and then came or played American. He actually, I think he played English eight ball, too. But then he came over to America and uh, started dominating in pool. And so that guy's playing guys like that. So Kevin Hart's brother is playing, like, top-notch world beaters. In pool tournaments. Whatever their That's dad did is. is good. Yeah, Created man. two fucking monsters. Oh, their mom. Oh, their I think, mom yeah, I think they both cry. You like how I... Sexist piece of <laughs> shit. It's just the dad's cum that did everything. No, no, no. It's the, dad's, it's the dad ignoring them all through their childhood. <laughs> Isn't it funny that men always think that uh, whatever his dad... His dad it's daddy issues. Good, it's all daddy issues. Good genes. <laughs> his dad must have been a fucking savage. We all do that, though. It's all dad issues. That's why you succeed. It's because you want to please your dad, I think. I don't know. That's uh, That kid it could be. That could be. It's not. See, that. whenever we try to make your motivation for anything or your reason for success a binary thing, a one or a zero, it's like there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of factors. Heartbreak could lead people to success. Ooh. Some guys get their heart broken, That's me. and they just go, oh, okay, I'm going to show you. Time to teach everyone yeah. who didn't want to fuck me that they wanted to fuck me, and they or didn't know it. time to teach someone who says that you're a loser, someone who used to love, and they chastise you and say you're a loser, and you're like, oh, you think so? Okay, well, I'll check in, you with you. I'll check in with you in about six years, and we'll see how this works out. There's girls I want to give trophies to. Trophies? And go like, hey, man, you did it. You told me I wasn't going to make it, and I want to thank you so much. People can do that to people, you know, in those emotional moments. Like I say, the most mean shit because they know that it's going to hurt. But oh. some, sometimes it works. <laughs> 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 That's the thing about stuff like fat shaming. Sometimes it works. I didn't know? even know I was fat until Tom told me I was fat. <laughs> I thought I was good looking. I swear to God, I look at those videos, I go. It's hilarious. Ugh. Like, I'm fine. Stop I thought I was so picky. perfect. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I grew a beard. I can't see it anymore. Yeah. It's funny. Like, fat shaming feels bad. But sometimes you have to feel bad to make changes. Yeah. But so sometimes fat shaming can be, like, the most valuable thing anybody could ever do to you. But you don't want anybody to do it to anybody. I don't want anybody to do it to me. I don't want to do it to anybody. However... It's very valuable. If it happens, if it happens, <laughs> it helps. It's like a gold that can make you rich, but it can also burn your hand. <laughs> should you pick it up? I, listen, I, I think you probably should. You'll heal from the burn. I listened to this uh, 
uh, app when I run is called Aptive, and there's this guy, Akeem, and he'll sometimes, the, his coaching, we were talking about coaching. My wife losing weight she got a trainer. Sometimes coaching can get to the heart of what you need, and there's a part of this fucking run I do with Akeem where he goes, you know all those people that talk shit about you? And I go, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them they're wrong. I go, Tommy. <laughs> he goes, then push it this next one. I always crank it up a little higher. I go, do you have any regret for underperforming in the sober October? Do you have any any <laughs> yes, regret? Yes, horrifically. Yes. Why didn't you Why didn't you uh, get after it earlier? I couldn't. I couldn't. I never could. Why I never not? could. It got it fucked with my head. My OCD fucked up. Oh, every time, every why? time it fucked my head up. But there was so much trash talking. Everybody wanted to beat you. Yeah. Everybody just wanted to get ahead of you. I got so overwhelmed by those by our sober Octobers, like so <laughs> overwhelmed. <laughs> That it well, would the like first one was at easy. one point at one point Tom talked me off a ledge and he goes hey 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 remember you're just a comedian <laughs> I went for real and he goes you are not uh, an athlete you're just Bert and you're a comedian don't lose sight of that because I would get like I would get over fucking whelmed every first sober October easy peasy we all did fifteen sober sober what you hot yogas yeah easy easy what happened was. The next one I rolled into, like, no big thing. And you did a hike with, with Marshall, and I did a hike without a dog, and I pretended I lost my dog. But the whole joke was that I lost my dog, but I was like, Joe, you do one mile, I do two. You do two miles, I do four. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm here with my dog, Priscilla, Priscilla, Priscilla. And then I pretended to lose Priscilla, right? It was a joke. Yeah. And that's when I watched the fire ignite in you that I had not seen <laughs> since high school. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then I started getting, like, overwhelmed, and I, I wasn't sleeping. I was, like, getting up to run, and I, my 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 sciatica was hurting it was like it was so fucking aggressive that like all the fun that i rolled into when when tom and i did the weight loss challenge and i just drank the whole time and lost like 40 pounds all that fun got so lost in the sober october i was like i gotta fucking win man i gotta fucking win yeah i haven't experienced anything like that since i was about 20 to 21 years old that was the last time i experienced that kind of uh Obsession with oh, something physical. It leaked into the marathon. Yeah. Like we were in here talking about the marathon, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I like I, me, me and Tom and Ari were at the uh, the NCAA championship game for the you know payoff. I was like, I entered the LA marathon, and Tom goes, "Why?" I said, "I'm gonna run a marathon," and he goes, "You don't have to." And I went. I already decided. <laughs> you don't have to. That's such a Tom thing to he's say. Like, he's like, yeah, you don't have to. I don't know why you're doing it. And I said, because you guys said I couldn't. And he goes, no, no, we don't care. And I was like, I'm going to do it. Like, I was lost. Yeah. I ran the LA Marathon. I remember, but that there's an attachment I have to whatever that focus is where I go. I do it for specials where I get so dialed in. It's, an, it's really unhealthy. But it's not because that's how you create something great. Like when you do a special, I know how much energy you put into it and how Dude, much you think about it. I, you have I was to. You obsessed, have to get obsessed. Obsessed. Yeah. Obsessed because I go, I with this special, I was like, I don't want to be the guy that does the same special three times in a row. Right. I want to grow. I want to, I want to create. I want to show like my big fucking white whale was like, that Starbucks bit I do where I go, did you see that one where I got, you mentioned your name? Yeah, 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 And I go, that's, for me, and this is like way overthinking it, this guy walks into a bar. Right, it's right, a guy right. Walks into, It yeah. was like, it was an homage to an old school joke, but <laughs> present in my, the way I tell yeah, stories. Yeah. And it defines me laughing at jokes, but, and it, it, and it calls my friends. It was like my favorite joke I've ever written. I love, 
But that obsession is not healthy, man. It's not healthy to be a regular it's, dude. It's not that it's not healthy. I don't agree with that. I just think it has to be balanced out. But I think it is healthy because you know that, like, that bit, when it came out, it was fucking killer. Thank and you. It, it needed that, you know, it needed all that obsession for it to grow. That's how a bit, that's a great bit. We have a, a, a bit that you really enjoy. It really cracks when you get up there and people really laugh hard. It's hard to make one of those. And I think there's, there, it's, it's worth it for you giving into that obsession so that the audience can experience like a really well-crafted, really rocking joke. It's fun. There's, there's no other way to make them, man. I can't. I don't, I don't know see, another don't think, way. Dude, I don't think there is another way. The Every special that I've ever put out, uh, I've always fucking hated immediately afterwards. Oh. Didn't know what I was doing oh. while I was doing it. I just like, can't believe people like this crap. <laughs> Because oh, when you edit it, man, people, you sit and listen to it for hours oh. and hours and hours. You fucking hate it by the time it's over. Josh Potter said to or Nadav, our for Two Bears One Cave, our guy, goes, "Hey man, I loved your special." And I went, "I went really?" <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "He goes, it's brilliant, man. Your gun bit's awesome." And Josh Potter is me. He's like, "Your gun bit's awesome." And I'm looking at Tom. I go, "Tom, did you think it was awesome?" He goes, "We all thought it was awesome." And I was like, "For reals? Like I, dude, I know you hate it because you see it too much." God, you, there's you got to realize if you're seeing a special over and over and over and over and over again, all the surprise is gone, right? So you're just analyzing. The, like the mechanics of the the bits and maybe I did this one better in the first show, but that one better in the second show. Hmm. But you're not experiencing what it's like to not know where you're going. The audience is the only one that gets to experience that. So it's so hard for you to get a. And then the one thing I always say, and I'm gonna say it again because it's just true. I know what you're gonna say. When Wait, you, go ahead. You're in the audience watching a special. You're getting a hundred percent. If you're at home watching on Netflix, you might get 70. I don't think you really get 70. You probably get 60. Probably get 60% of what it's like to be in the room. Oh. Because as a human, there's something about laughing in a room full of 2,000 other people that are laughing. And you're all you're a little buzzed. And you're like, bah! You get on stage and you take your shirt off and they go, yeah! And everybody's into it. It's like this, it's a big part of what stand-up comedy is. Is it like doing it. So like... You're almost just getting a reference point. It's like Google Maps when you're watching it in real life or yeah. watching it on YouTube or something like that or watching it on Netflix. It's like Google Maps because it's not like being there. No. Like if you if you stood there on the ground, you're like, oh, this looks different on the ground. Like you, you, like you yeah. hiked in, you're like, oh, okay, the mountain's this way. And I was looking at Google Maps. I couldn't tell because I'm looking down on this thing. That's what it's like when you're in the audience of a comedy club is like being there versus watching it on Netflix, which is like Google Maps. It's way better than not being there. Google yeah. Maps is dope. You can go visit the fucking rainforest. You just go look in there, spread it out, move it around. <laughs> look at that. Get pictures what the fucking ground looks like from the sky. But it's not going to be like going to the Amazon. I, that's what it, one of the th obsessions I had with my last, not this one, the last one, was no. Well, I had one experience with Tig. Uh, where Tig we, Nataro? Tig Nataro, man, taught me the big one of the biggest lessons I ever learned in stand-up. We did premium blend together, and she went first, and she, for the first time in her life, probably sucked a dick. Like, literally sucked a dick. Was so bad on stage. <laughs> and and she'll admit it. She'll admit it. And I went up after, and I murdered. I, 1,300 people, I murdered. I watched the taping. Tig destroyed because her jokes were amazing. She didn't play for the room. She played for the people in the audience, the people on television. And I went, 
That's so interesting. Here I am, like, raising my voice, like, going, like, what's up, UCLA? Like, everyone at home's like, dude, dial your shit down. I learned so much after watching TIG that I went, don't play for the people in the room. Play for play for them in the room, but but make sure, be cognizant that you're making this for a television show. She, I don't know whether she meant to do that on purpose or not, but, man, I watched her set on that premium blend, and she murdered, and I bombed on, on TV. And I was like, you, yeah, don't go in and go, what's up, Jacksonville? How, Wait a minute. So you murdered in person, but bombed on TV? Bombed on TV because my, my energy was so but high. But if you murdered in person. Because it was 1,300 people. Who convinced you that you bombed on TV? Did you convince me, yourself? I, you can pull up that premium blend set. But you did well in front of the crowd. In front of the crowd, but I was playing louder did on the smoke, mic. Did you smoke too much weed today? I might have. <laughs> You're making no sense. I just had a good Tig Notaro <clears throat> sucking dick joke I was trying to slide in. I understand what you just did there. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thank especially you. Especially in this era. I wonder if people are going to get less concerned about politically correct things. Oh, yeah. Do you think that, like, Jen, Jamie and I were talking about, like, uh, gender pronouns. They're it's like, probably not really this call me whatever you want to call me as long as you have toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's just be nice to each other and fucking relax. I think that's part of what we're going through as a culture, what, the outrage culture, is because there wasn't anything real to fight against. No. There was not nothing real that was a, a real problem as opposed to every other single era of humanity, <laughs> which, was, which was like filled with strife and trouble. Dude, this is the only one. Look at guns. The gun control shit, that's, mm -hmm. not, a that's not a conversation it's anymore. It's out the window. Hey, I know so many left-wing people lining up to buy guns now. Oh, everyone. Yes, it's including my friend's wives who used to get mad <laughs> if she, they even heard talk about guns, they would get mad and now they're asking the, the husband to go get a gun. No bullshit. No Asking bullshit. Asking me about what kind of gun, what do you have, where do you keep it, that kind of shit. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Dude, that's, so, that's, so that's off the board. Yeah, that's off the board. The, it, people, listen, once refrigeration goes, that's when you see what's up. Once power goes, that's when you see what's up. We live in a ridiculous way. We live in a way that's only sustainable if the super fragile system stays in place. I mean, it's robust in terms that it handles millions and millions of people, but it's fragile in the sense that one gigantic solar flare could wipe it out, one earthquake could wipe it out, power surges, something crazy that, uh, you know, a, a asteroid shower that hits Earth wipes out everything. Yeah. There's, we, we're not sustainable. We're only sustainable under certain conditions, and a big part of those conditions is the power grid. I wonder how much this is going to change the way people behave. Meaning, I hope it does. Gardens, chickens, yeah. rabbits. Like, yeah, we should have community little little look like a little patch of garden in every community. You know, just have an area. You know, you have five houses, have one empty lot for five oh, houses. That would be brilliant. Brilliant, right? One empty lot, the size of a lot that a house would be built on. And then you just grow vegetables and have chickens. Even if you're a vegetarian, folks, listen to me. Chickens, you don't hurt them when you eat their eggs. There's no hurting them at all. If you if you're if you're feeding them well, their eggs will be nutritious. They're real easy. As long as there's no coyotes around, that's my the number one problem that I have is coyotes would target the chickens. But other than that, you just let them go out in the yard, man. They find bugs to eat and worms to eat, and then their eggs are delicious, and you're not hurting them. And they prefer being in the chicken coop. They go yeah. in the chicken coop for safety. You shut them in there. You let them out in the morning. They're like, they were like my little friends. It's the best thing your wife ever did in my entire life affecting me was convince my wife to get chickens. Dude, because you, you get healthy food almost every day. You get several eggs. Like we had at a high point, we had 22 chickens. 
And we would get like 10 eggs a day, every day, 10 eggs. And I'd oh. eat six eggs for breakfast. Really good, delicious, just fucking nutrient-rich, protein-rich, and no one gets hurt. I got double yolks one time. Ooh. My favorite in the world. The problem is if you want more chickens, then you're going to have to have a rooster. Roosters are cocksuckers. <laughs> They're assholes. They scream in the morning. They wake up everybody. They piss off your neighbors. Everybody wants them dead. <laughs> Dude, a chicken laying an egg is loud. Yeah. I had David tell him my man cave doing a podcast was Tommy, and a chicken started letting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really aggressive. It's it, weird. It tells goes, where the fuck are we? Go out of my own village. <laughs> I want to hear his new set about this. Did something like that where every day a fucking egg came out of your twat. We could eat it. <laughs> It'd be so ridiculous because chickens can eat their own eggs too, and you have to keep them from finding that out. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they find out, they'll start pecking eggs. Especially eggs that aren't theirs. Yeah. Yeah, so if an egg falls and breaks, you got to be really careful that the chickens don't find out about it. Because once they find... Look, they're little dinosaurs, bro. Oh, yeah. Little dinosaurs. You know, one of them tried to uh, bite my youngest daughter when she was... She was very young at the time. I want to say she was somewhere in the neighborhood of four or five when this chicken started pecking her toes. And my my wife is like, oh, she probably thinks her toe is a is a worm. I go, no, she's trying to eat the baby. <laughs> that fucking cunt chicken is trying to eat the baby. She doesn't think she's a worm. How come she doesn't think I'm a fucking worm? Right? She just thinks that that thing is slow enough and young enough. She might be able to eat it. Because chickens can tell when things are vulnerable. Because oh, they're little predators, yeah. man. You've seen chickens with mice before, right? Uh, yeah. Have you ever seen them in real life with a mouse? Uh, no, not in real life. I've seen it several times. Rats run amok on my in our chicken coop. Yeah, well, those, those chickens will turn on that rat if they can catch them. They can catch that motherfucker in a the corner. They'll tear them apart. Yeah, I've they're, been thinking about hunting rats with my pellet gun. Uh, well, rats anywhere you live in California where there's hills and people. You're infested. And fruit trees. Yeah. Fruit. We have an orange yeah. tree in our backyard, yeah. and it's fucking infested. Well, just garbage cans on a regular basis. Garbage cans outside. Yeah. And ways inside. The thing you find a way inside your house. Oh, I used to live in Encino, and this I had a, a, a place that I was renting that was totally infested with rats. It was foul, man. They were big rats, Here, running around in the fucking, inside oh, yeah. the walls. Also, I set a trap once, and I went out. I saw there was a rat, and I was lazy, so I went back to bed. I'm like, I'll clean it in the morning. I went out there in the morning. They had eaten it. The rats had eaten it? The rats had eaten the other rat. It was a big rat, too, dude. A big fat boy, like a pregnant squirrel, like a fat rat, a oh. big rat. And this rat trap killed him. I was like, holy shit, but I was tired. I was like, I got <laughs> to be at the set in the morning. So I, I left that rat in there. I went out in the morning to go look at it. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I had a whole wild menagerie in my house at that time. We think about it. I got rats eating each other in the garage. I got a feral cat that I'm locked in a room with. I got two pit bulls. I got a fluff ball cat. I had a, just a, a surrounded with weird animals. I think about I remember hearing you talk about those times where you'd come home and the dogs would have fought yeah, over something. Oof. It happened twice. Came home and the dogs were they tore each other apart. It was horrible. What, what one drew you female. to those? It was just it was one female that I got that I got from the pound that I got, <laughs> got because of Brian Callen. <laughs> Brian Callen called me up. He's like, dude, you got to see this little puppy pit bull. She's so adorable. You see her. You're gonna see her. You're gonna fall in love with her. You got. You got to see her. He was at the LA Animal Shelter. I'm like, God damn it. I'm like, okay. So I went down there. <laughs> you know, I was a moron. 
you know. So I went down there and I saw this little thing and she was trapped in and the LA animal shelter, at least at the time, the place that I'm thinking about, I'm not sure if I'm getting the name right, was a no kill shelter. So they operated on donations, they keep an animal alive for a long time. So she had been inside this place for several months and so she was really kind of weirded out by being in jail for that long and not getting a lot of human contact. And so when I took her home, uh, and I would pet her and love her, she would get really aggressive with the other dogs to keep them away from her because she didn't get enough love when she was younger. So now that she's finally getting love, love was so valuable that other dogs, she didn't think of other dogs as being her friends. She thought of them as love thieves. So they would oh, come Jesus. near her. Yeah, so um, there was a couple different instances that happened, and one of them happened when the pool guy had apparently come over. Uh, and then the pool guy was petting both dogs, and one dog attacked the, my female, my little female, attacked the bigger male to uh, keep him f away from getting petted. She didn't want him to be pet. She wow. wanted all the pets. Yeah. It was just a matter. Look, and I had a bit about it that I, I did for a little bit, but it's basically I had a prison dog. <laughs> I mean, I brought home a prison dog. This dog had been a prisoner for yeah. a, a giant chunk of its little life, and by the time I got it home, it just was not tolerating any bullshit, and it had this attitude no matter what. You couldn't—it loved people. No no fear at all about it being mean to people, but around other dogs, it was very dangerous. Very dangerous. You never knew. It just—it thought of other dogs as being thieves. You know, it thought of love as being, like, a very valuable commodity and other dogs as stealing her love. God, man, that's crazy. Yeah, because my other two dogs were not like that at all. At all, one of them I had him since he was a puppy, and uh, the other one I got her like right around the time that he was a puppy, and she was only maybe a year old herself, and she was another rescue dog I got, and they were like best friends, so they they were fun together. They How many dogs together. have you had in total? Five at one time. I had five at one time all together. And <laughs> it was madness. You had five so at much, one time. So much barking. What are you, I love Whitney this, Cummings? Dude, I love dogs, man. I love Whitney, dogs. Whitney yeah. loves dogs. I love them. If I could have 20 dogs, I'd have 20 dogs, but it's not fair for the dog. The dog Dogs need, you know, they, they're like family members, man. They need love. Yeah. And that's sort of, uh, like this dog Marshall is just different than any dog I've ever had because he, he's, there's zero challenging in him. There's He's all... He's not barking at anybody. He's not growling ever. He's growling like to play. Like he'll come up to you with like a toy in his mouth, like, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you got that toy? What do you got? <laughs> but his tail's wagging. Like there's no aggression to him. He's just all love. What was the thought behind a German Shepherd or a, a, a Golden Retriever? Retriever? Yeah. Well, I never had one before, but I heard they're great dogs. Man. I've always heard they're really good family dogs. I had a lab, a black lab, Abigail, which was fucking the greatest oh, great. dog. She so dived, smart. She dived to the bottom of the pool and grabbed rings. Yeah, I mean, those are dogs that people use to hunt ducks. You know, those kind of dogs, they're task-oriented dogs. You can teach them to do things. Like, yeah. Like Marshall, whenever he comes over to like like in the morning, I'll get up in the morning and I'll tell him like, "What's up, bro? What's up?" And he's like, oh, oh. He always grabs a toy. Always grabs grabs a toy and brings it to you. Like he never just comes to you and, and pets you. He comes to you and shows you a toy that he's got because his genes are retrievers. So it's like a bird hunting dog. Like someone would shoot a pheasant or something like that, and he would gra grab it and bring it back or whatever. Yeah. You know, whatever bird it was. And that's, that's like what he's doing. And he holds it in his mouth and brings it to you to show you. Like he rarely tears his toys apart. Super, they have super soft mouths. Yeah, they just carry him around. He's the sweetest. Has he go swimming yet? All the time, bro. Oh, we're Loves trying. it. I want to get my Izzy as our new bull mastiff. I want to get her in the pool because you can tell she How wants it. How old is she? It. 
Six months, seven gotta months. Got to get her in soon. Yeah. You got to get her in soon. Priscilla fell in the pool, this old fuck. And does she know how to swim? Uh, Yeah, she got out, but we didn't know she fell in. She just came in, and you could see this in this dog's eyes, like, just, you have no fucking idea what happened. Soaking wet, and we're like, uh. how did you get wet? And then you see she fell in off the, like, the steps and then found her way out. But, man, you think... You got to teach the dog the way out of the pool. Yeah, so you got to teach them the way out of the pool, and hopefully you got to have like a dog-friendly pool. There's more than one ladder somewhere where you can, you know, you don't have, you don't want to have a pool where you have to take the dog out yourself. No. Yeah, those, yeah. Are, those are not good. You want to want somewhere because so it's hard for dogs too when they get their paws up on the concrete to get their whole body up. It's not no. easy. Yeah. That's not easy for them like it is for us. You know, you get your hands on the on the concrete on the side anywhere, you can just push yourself up and you sit on the side. A dog can't do that. Dog's got to go up steps. Yeah. You know? Unless it's like some super dog or something. But uh, yeah, man, if it was up to me, I'd have like twenty dogs. I, w- I want to get uh, Priscilla and Mona as uh, the two dogs, the older or older dogs when they pass. We'll have this fucking idiot dog, Izzy. And then. <laughs> it's an idiot? Oh, my How God. How old is it? Like fucking six, seven months. But She's they're beautiful. Young. Beautiful they're young, coat. Man. You got to teach them. Oh, yeah. She just is like. It's not going to learn. Man, this dog has so <laughs> much fucking. It's like, it's almost like just like blind eyed to you. Like, huh? What? What are you talking about? Like she's on crank all day. All fucking day. That's, what kind of dog is it? Bull Mastiff. Yeah, that's why those are great protection dogs. Oh. So much energy. She has got, man, something goes down in the backyard, this bitch is on. <laughs> yeah. Right, right out there, Priscilla Heard. something her. to do, man. Yeah. She's raised for something to do. That's like when a regular person gets a Belgian Malinois and starts bringing that goddamn thing around everywhere. You're like, oh, look at you, you little fucking demon. <laughs> you little black-haired demon. What's a Belgian Malinois? Designed to take out prisoners. Is that the fucking it's like a, German Shepherd-looking dog? Yeah, exactly. Exactly like a German Shepherd-looking yeah. dog. But they look so fierce, man. Those dogs, they're, we had uh, we used them a, a bunch of times on Fear Factor. Look at the fucking athleticism look of this thing. Look at this fucking look at that animal. thing go to the roof. Look at it take this guy down. They're wild dogs, man, in, in terms of their athleticism. Look at that thing fly up. Shut Look up. Look at that. Grab all. Have you seen the one where there's a, there's a, a treat or a ball hanging from a tree? And so uh, this Belgian Malinois jumps, runs up the side of the trunk of the tree, and then leaps sideways like 20 feet in the air to snatch this ball. Look at this. Look at this thing walking on tightrope across two buildings. Bro, you don't want nothing to do with this dog. That is a dog that was clearly not trained in America. <laughs> it's going backwards now. You don't want jack shit to do with this dog. You just, you just do not. <laughs> Look at that thing go Look after people. Yeah, you can't let that motherfucker go. They're amazing. Look at that. Oh, I my mean, God. Dude. How about that? How about it jumping over this guy's back and jumping into the bed of that truck as it's speeding down the street? Look at the fucking athleticism these things have. And you really only get that kind of athleticism with a dog that's like that size. You know, it's not a giant dog. Yeah. Like coyotes. How much do you think that weighs? I don't think they're very big at all. 60 pounds? Yeah, probably 60 or 70 pounds for, you know, a good size one. Although we were just talking the other day about someone who had one that was uh, really young and it was already 90 pounds. Somebody had one that was like six. Who was that that was saying that? That was one that was like six months old and it was already 90 pounds. Was it Andy was talking about somebody? Um, yeah, so the average is like 75 pounds for a wow. male. That's like, 
that's on the high end. So this guy had one that was already 90 pounds that was uh, six months old. So they also had doubled canines, the ones that he was showing us. Like great whites? Like t on each side, they have two canines on the top. See if you could find that image. Double canines, Belgian Malamar. Fuck. That's the thing they're breeding. They're making hybrids. You know, like they take a, yeah, a grapefruit, they mix it with a orange. <laughs> Didn't they do something stupid like that? A, a, a grapple. Yeah, a grapple, right? A grapefruit <laughs> and an apple or something. <laughs> grape and an apple together. It's a grape taste and apple. Look, look, it's got double canines. Shut yeah, up. Yeah, some of them have two canines. I couldn't live with the dog. I almost bought a Doggo Argentino. And uh, the guy was like, right before I bought it, he was like, hey, you're going to have this dog in bed with you? And I go, yeah, of course. And he goes, I'm not selling it to you. And Jeez. hung up on me. Really? Yeah, because you got it. There's certain dogs where you have to become the master. Right. Like, like dog Argentinos are like bull mastiffs, but pit bulls mm -hmm. on steroids. Yeah. And uh, the guy was like, yeah, man, if it, once it gets in bed with you, you you've lost the house. <laughs> I was like, all right, good call, man. Thank you for stopping me. <laughs> So it fucking tells you, no, I'm running this house, bitch. Yeah, I yeah. sleep in this bed. Who the fuck are you? He's like, wake up. You, bro? He's fucking my wife. I'm like, hey, what? I didn't know imagine, we were going to share her. <laughs> imagine he starts growling at you while he's humping your wife's leg. You're like, oh, no, what have I done? I'd let this giant beast get too comfortable in my house. 200-pound murderous dog that wants to fuck your wife. Look at the build on that thing. That's the most beautiful dog I've ever seen in my life. It looks like it, the clown, if it was an evil dog. It does look like it, it does. Wow. Go back to that picture. It looks like go back to that. It picture. looks like Pennywise. Jamie, that's that picture you were just on. No, go back to the one you were just on. It looks like that's one. That's Pennywise the clown, oh, bro. Fuck. <laughs> that's fucking Pennywise. I'm so glad I didn't get one now. It looks like Pennywise, doesn't it? Look at that fucking dog. Oh my god, the muscles in that thing are preposterous. When was the last time you got attacked by a dog? I've never been attacked by a dog. Oh, Jesus. That's, that looks like the rock if it was a dog. <laughs> Look at the build on that thing. Look at that, man. Jesus Christ. And that's probably that's 130 a pounds. That's a girl, too. That's a female dog. Try to, try to grab onto any part of that animal. dog to stop it from killing you. Good luck, There's bitch. not one part of you. That, that looks like a demon, like a sweet-faced demon that you got wandering around your yard looking to kill burglars. That's the dog I wanted. Woo, look at the build on that fucker. Jesus Christ. Look at those That's dead a, eyes. That is a crazy dog to have around your house. Like, you got to really be on top of things. <laughs> Jesus. Look at, head. look at that head with the collar. Look at that one in the middle. Where you, oh, my God. Look at look, that jaw. Look at the fucking God damn it. The fucking head on Oh, my that dick's thing. almost hard. That dog's oh so pretty. Oh, my God. Bro. Fuck. That's a polar bear. That's like having a polar bear. How is that any different? How's that any different than those, that dude? Those and Connie Corsos are fucking. Ridiculous. That's the shit with dogs. Yeah. If my wife leaves me, I'm moving to Malibu. I'm getting a Connie Corso and a, and a dog mm. Argentino. Yeah, those are good fucking. Oh, look at the fucking muscles in the chest of that thing. Come on, man. That's just too weird. And if I feel like if you have a dog like that, also, it's like you have this obligation to work that motherfucker out every day. Every day. That is, you have a super athlete. You just can't have that thing in your yard being bored. Like that's a different kind of dog. That's why. That's why he was like, "You're not letting in bed with you." I was like. Well, of course, yeah. Why? He was like, He'll wrong start guy. running shit, son. You got to keep those motherfuckers on a leash and train them well from the time they're really young. Or or get one that's trained. But even then, I, when I've heard about like Belgian Malinois in particular, like you got to be the boss. Like that thing has to respect that you're the is boss. That what, is that what Cal or, uh, Schaub got? 
He did for a little bit. <laughs> and then he, he did for back. a little bit. He went out of town and wouldn't listen to his wife at all. It was like, fuck you, bitch. And she's like, oh, no, I got this crazy dog in my house. It's not listening to me. <laughs> yeah, but if, if a dog thinks you're not the boss, then it becomes the boss. Like, he decided Brendan was the boss. Like, look at this big motherfucker with a deep voice. You know, he's six foot five or whatever he is. Yeah. Brendan's gigantic. And so he's around this dog. He's like, hey, bro. And the dog's like, okay, big guy. Okay, big guy with the food. I'll be cool with you. And then the wife's around like, who the fuck are you? Who are you? And where's the big guy? I think I'm the big guy, motherfucker. Like, that's why you have to get a dog when it's a puppy. You know, when you get a dog when it's a puppy, then, you know, you're the daddy. Like, when I get up in the morning and Marshall's waiting for me, I'm like, bro. That's why I say to him, bro. And he's like, woo. And he goes running around in circles and shit. Like, it's a healthy relationship. Like, he's for his whole life, he's associated me with going on runs and getting belly rubs and, you know, playing. So yeah. it's like, when a dog, you get a dog when it's fully grown. Like you have no idea what ha what was going on. <laughs> you don't know what was going on. You did, you weren't there. You don't know what was going on. You get a two year old dog that's trained. And trained how? By who? Yeah. Were you there? I mean, you can assume from some guys because you trust their reputation that they're really good at raising dogs. But it's not the same relationship as when you raise a dog from the time it's a puppy. No, puppies are. Yeah. Man, there's nothing better. That the dog we have now got me because we were, I was in Phoenix doing a show. My wife's like, and my wife's on the road with me. She goes, hey, there's a puppy like 20 miles from here. And I went to the house, walked in, and this fucking dog climbed up in my lap, <laughs> laid her head on my shoulder, and just went to sleep. And I went, bitch, you're going home with us. It's too, they're too adorable. Puppies like are the cutest thing that you ever get to experience other than a baby. And maybe even more than a baby because you're not as... You're not as concerned about them being vulnerable, so you can appreciate them more sometimes, yeah. unless it's your baby. When it's your baby, you're just so full of love. You don't know what the fuck to do. But other people's babies are pretty cute, but other people's puppies are always cute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd much rather play with someone's puppy than their baby. <laughs> Way more. Way more. They're so adorable. They're universally adorable. There's something about a puppy, even the way they move, they move kind of funny. And they're big ass heads and they go playing like, ah, look at you. Bro. When they do that front paw jump, right, left, like, go, go. Yeah. They're just having fun. And what sucks is where we're at now with this puppy, where it's still a puppy, but it's big. And you're like, yo, you cannot just jump up on the fucking bed <laughs> and fucking just, have like, you, she have just. Have you ever given it lessons? Do you give it lessons on how to. I haven't Dave. been home for a while, but I, I think I'm gonna start. <laughs> think I'm gonna start giving this fucking dog some lessons. Yeah, you can't just have the dog make the rules, man. You got to make the rules. Oh, she is. She is. She's fucking hilarious. But man, she gets up, like just gets up on your lap. Like you should have rooms where the dog's not allowed to go in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'll be taking his shit, and this dog will walk in the closet, grab his shoe, and just walk out, look at me, and go, oh, sorry, I didn't know you were here. Grab one of your shoes. Just That's walk hilarious. right out. Oh, my God, it's Fucking so funny. dog has no rules. She learned how to open the trash oh, can, no. like pull the cabinet, and just stick her head in the trash. You go, Izzy. And she'll go, oh, what? Doesn't even say no. Just, oh, yeah. You got to train her, Bert, before it's too late. It might be too late. It might be. This might be. You might need to bring in Caesar Milan for this one. I ran into Caesar Milan the other night. You need to run into him. It was fate. Where was I? God damn. You were on Destiny Boulevard. Caesar <laughs> <laughs> Milan was there. It stopped you from being a future episode of his show. What the fuck, man? Oh. Uh, yeah. You can't do that, Bert. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I ran into. Where was I? That man, I met Caesar Milan. Where were you? That's a good question. Fuck. I must have been somewhere, like a, like some sort of event. 
I don't know, but you need to have him help you fix your fucking dog. Yeah, this fucking dog's all over the map. Dude, it's already 3.30. you serious? Yeah. Oh, shit. We've been going for what? We've been three going. Hours? Three and a half hours. Dude. Ridiculous. This is awesome, man. Awesome. The I best. love doing this podcast. I love doing it. I'm so, I'm so glad that with all this craziness, we could still do something like this. Fuck yeah, you know? dude. Social and, distancing. Uh, yes. Just uh, we're not making out anymore. And I hope you guys at home listen and uh, stay safe. And and uh, Burt Kreischer, Hey Big Boy is available right now. Let's break the internet, you fucks. Please. It's available right now on the Netflix. Go there. Enjoy. And uh, that's it. Uh, Burt Kreischer on Instagram. Burt Kreischer on Twitter. Do you even use Twitter anymore? Yeah, I do. Do you pay attention to the mean people? No. <laughs> I read it without my glasses, so I can't see what they're saying. <laughs> that's a good move. I just love and retweet. All right. Well, thank you, brother. I love I you, I love man. you, too, man. It's good, good hanging out you. with you. Always fun. Bye, everybody. We'll see you soon. That was fucking awesome, Woo. man.